welcome to episode 51 of the Varangian Heresy podcast. My name is Jody. I am your host, as always. And with me this evening is one, one, the other. No, let me rephrase that. We're missing one third of our Charlie's Angel trifecta. Um, and he happens to be away. So on my left, because that's where you usually are in, in the hierarchy of this non-existent clusterfuck pyramid, is yeah, I, the I'm one on the left and slightly on top? We discussed so, this. I am the one, yeah, the one on top. It's, on a, this. Rota- it's a rotating pyramid. <laughs> Somebody is always on top, so we don't all get yeah, blah blah blah, whatever. <laughs> uh, he's my co-host, the one, the only, Mr. Christopher. How you doing, buddy? Oh uh, well, quite all right actually. Yeah, quite all right. Yeah, I've, that's better okay. than not not all right at all, yeah. which is good. I've finished projects. I've been cleaning all day. So it might just be the, all the cleaning fluids. You never know. I'm blaming that now. I'm calling it now that any good spirits may or may not be induced by cleaning fluids. <laughs> it might it's a, it might just be a combination of bleach and rum. You never know. But that uh, that sounds like a Jack Sparrow cocktail if ever I heard one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but where's all the cleaning fluids? You've been drinking them. But where's all the rum? You In clean the, the kitchen with it. <laughs> you clean the kitchen with it. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It would make a kitchen smell lovely. Though. It would, and it would probably mean that you that most people would be in there looking on the floor, uh, licking on the floor, even just going, "Yeah, I'm getting drunk by cleaning the floor with my tongue." Yeah, That's yeah. Unusual. No, it's um, not really. So, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good, thanks, mate. I'm I'm doing really good. He caught me on an upswing tonight, which is nice. Um, is having it, a uh, having bleach and uh, rum, or is it just well, rum? I think it's probably just bleach because I'm too poor at the moment to have rum. Um, but uh, there is there is performance rum, yeah, bleach support, yeah, very much so. And there is toilet duck as well, so maybe it's um, you know ble- bleach with toilet. Is bump, it the pine, pine one or is it the seaside one? <laughs> it's oh, it's, it's it's a pine one. So I'm going Ooh. for like a Jaeger bomb style, um, you know, sort of a Jaeger bomb style uh, <laughs> event when I when I mix those two. So it's um, I I'd like to think that I've got extremely clean and hygienic teeth. And, you know, innards. The rest of me, meh, you know, probably needs a sheep dip, but, you know, well, can't have ever. If nothing else, you've got the lovely pine smell. Exactly. It's it's not quite new car, but it's definitely a pine smell, so it's all fresh and good. Speaking of stuff that smells new, the box next to me smells like new game, which is lovely. Arse. Uh, I love you for it, but you're an arse. Stop it. <laughs> We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> You've been doing this to me all evening already. Good God, man. Uh, well, before we crack on with anything else, let's talk about what's on tonight. So our episode this evening, we we three uh, are the mythical three because Freddie is uh, currently in parts unknown or, well, known, but for national security reasons. And, you know, we, we could tell you, but we'd have to come around to your house and kill you. Um Actually, that wouldn't be too hard with our three listeners, but we we could we still wouldn't want to do that to people. Um, he's currently off for a little bit, so it's myself and Chris doing the intro this evening, and we have sat down and talked events. We have talked about uh, what type of events there are, what type of uh, stuff you can do to make your events more fun. I'm trying to avoid saying what we call, we talked about because it means you're going to get the music in already, but there yeah. may be some spicing of your life. But the, on the other hand, if, you st- people, if people have 
at this point probably just read the episode title, hopefully. Yeah, they have. Oh, I forget you've got you're doing the editing these days, so it's going to yeah. be there. Okay, fair enough. Well, okay, yes, there is a definite Spice Girl theme as we talk all about events this evening, and uh, we also talk about our event series in a bit more detail uh, to give you guys some sort of frame of reference when we're talking about uh, the event stuff in general. So that's tonight. Uh, let's get our social medias out of the way. So we've got our Facebook page, which is the Vranjin Heresy Podcast. Come along, give us a like, give us some support there, and follow along with the antics of the show as we post out our episodes, and more importantly, our random heresy memes, which seem to get way more traction than anything else. But, you know, we're not going well, to complain. We have to focus on the fun, fun stuff. This is true. This is very true. Uh, we have our the Varangian Heresy podcast group, which is tied to the podcast page. So if you visit one, you can visit the other. And you can come and join us as we, we talk random stuff. And there are whips and stuff up there in that group as well. We do tweet occasionally. Um, the, we do we tweet at least, when, at least when there's a new episode out. Yeah, so so once every other week, maybe, if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, and we've got our Instagram, which is at Varangian Heresy. And we've got our email, thevaranginheresy at gmail.com. And that's how you guys can get in touch with all those different types of social medias. Get in touch if you've got something you want us to talk about. You've got a list you'd like reviewed. If there is something going on in your community, till, please tell us. We would like to use this as a platform to let you guys know what's going on in and around the heresy community around the world. So get involved. Also, if you do have uh, comments on how much of tra- a traitor legion the Space Wolves actually are, please send them in. We will read out the best ones. Yeah, and, and remember that when, when you are obviously compiling your thoughts, just remember, in truth, Magnus did nothing wrong. It was an inside job, and, you know... Well, Magnus did nothing wrong, and the Emperor basically said so. Well, yes, there is that, but that then leads to the inside job and therefore it being a problem and basically Russ being some sort of egotistical, you know, doormat. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's pretty much spot on, really. Um, and speaking of that, we did want to, uh, we did get a little bit of feedback on our last episode and it's very topical. Um <laughs> Uh, which is very important, and that was basically, although he's done nothing wrong, Magnus did feel left out. Um, I'm sorry, Magnus, I do actually believe that, I'm confident that I said thank you very much to you on a personal note at the end of uh, the... Yeah, but that was apparently not good enough. Well, it's good enough from me. So if it's not if it's if it's not enough from the others, you can kick Freddy in the nuts, and Chris, it's up to you if you want to say anything to Magnus right now. No, he's a darkness player. He's, he's used to it. Yeah, well, to be fair, he's used to sitting on sitting on a post somewhere. So uh, the Dark Angels uh, did great work defending the, the, the terror from the supply lines of the traitor forces. So, <laughs> uh, see, Luther did nothing wrong. Hashtag no, Luther, did. Luther did probably everything wrong because he, really? yeah, he hang out with uh, the Death Guard. Yeah, well, you can't really. Yeah, okay, After fair they enough. were afflicted. After they were afflicted, okay, fair enough. But, you know, what are you going to do, eh? But that was technically when Mortarion had banished Typhon because he was afflicted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's, let's let's not go down there, because that, that, that that's we, we're doing the Death Guard as our next army episode, so let's not yep. piss everybody off just yet. They did everything wrong. <laughs> Mortarion was deluded, but we love him anyway. Um, he did everything wrong. 
Okay, let's move on from that. Magnus, we love you. You're part of the team, you know that. And, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we're very much looking forward to seeing what the, the next year brings or a read into that, the slave labor that I'm sure Freddie will turn you into. So let's bob along. <laughs> let's bob along and talk about hobby stuff. So Chris, what have you been doing in the, the greater sphere of hobbying and then anything 30k specific? My Mustang is complete. Oh yeah. It's finished and it's based and it's, it's glorious. And it's too much heresy for Ryan Kimmel. It's too much heresy for Ryan Kimmel. Yeah. Is that a possible thing? Yeah. It, well, he told me to go get back to Harris instead of paint my Mustang, but yeah. Okay. It was too. It was too much for Ryan to handle. Yeah. So, which is why I'm moving on to destroyers in the future. Okay. <laughs> go, <laughs> go, go big or go home. Exactly. Uh, other than that, in the heresy, well, I've been working on the fluff for our little. Campaign or event series, yeah, which you will hear of, hear of more of in the next segment of the podcast. Yeah, as we topic. as we gab along about all that. Yeah, and yeah, gab is probably the right word. There's definitely a lot of gabbing. There's a there's a there's a there's a degree of factual factual output, but there's a lot of gabbing for sure. Yeah. Other than that, I well, I've stripped the dragon. Is that heresy? I've got to ask: Is that is that a model or a metaphor that we're talking about here? Is stripping the dragon something that you know? Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, I had one of the oh, really old metal and plastic kits from the what is it, the wood elf dragon, the forest dragon? Yeah, yeah. That was painted and it's now being stripped. I'm going to make a another diorama from that one because very nice. It's a nice hobby break. Yeah, definitely. Sounds very cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. I really and it's, as I found out with the, the Mustang, it's a nice way of practicing techniques that you don't use that that often. Cool. So, how oh, about you? Um, how about me? What have I been doing in the hobby recently? Well, ah, oh, that's it. That's yeah, on. pretty much done. Moving on. No, <laughs> no. Um, what have I done? I have uh, shipped out my first first official commission which went off and was received and well, the uh, my client was very happy with which I'm, I'm very proud of, which was the, the custodies. Uh, I have to say I shot myself in the foot with rushing some of the pictures so they look exceedingly shiny. Um, but, you know, work in progress, learning this whole photography thing as I go along, so I'm going to work on that. Um, I have... Um, well, actually, I'm going to talk about an event that I went to, which I'll do that in a minute. Um mm-hmm. But on the painting front, I have I have currently just converted a Mark II Land Raider into a Land Raider Achilles because I don't think anything says Iron Warriors as much as, or in the Land Raider department anyway, as um, a quad mortar strapped to the front of a Land Raider um, with two twin-link multi-melters on the sides. Um, Maybe the... Achilles Alpha, so get the Volkite colorings on the side. So again, no, that may be on order. <laughs> that may be on order as well. <laughs> I might be getting a second, second. I might be getting another a second Achilles and an Achilles Alpha at some point very soon, uh, because I think they're awesome. Um, after having finally sat down and read the rules for them, um, so yeah, they're pretty cool. The uh, regular ones are quite more versatile. 
Yeah, but I just I like the thought of the the alpha with the um, the giant volcanic coverings on the side. Or, yeah. um, just look epic, <laughs> basically. And rule of cool, if nothing else, my man. Um, what else have I been doing? I've been I've been stripping some old models actually because. Um, Whilst I am uh, doing work on commissions, I'm also taking some time to get my Iron Warriors out of the veteran slump. Uh, so I've stripped around about 20, 25 plastic Mark IV Marines um, and some other bits and pieces because I have Avarii coming up in a couple of, in a few weeks' time. So I'm stripping and repainting a lot of stuff to get it up to uh, the level I want to put it out at the event. So that's good. Um, I'm working or just started to prep actually a um was it 70 model i think it is 60 70 model um iron hands commission uh which i'm very much looking forward to so lots of lots of immortals and um some breaches and terminators and you know uh iron father and stuff like that which is all going to be done in yeah it's all going to be done in a the very nice forge world scheme which i'm very much looking forward to um it's a lovely scheme. That's what it's mine are painted in as well. So. Yeah, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful scheme, and really, when you get the the how to, that once you actually break it down, it's really really easy to put together. Um, yeah. It's just such a beautiful looking color. Um, so I'm again very much looking forward to getting onto that commission soon. I'm just breaking the models down and setting them up for priming at the moment. Um, and what else have I been doing in the hobby? 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 Um, yeah, that's about it on that front. Although we, you and I, have been talking about lots of stuff, um, which we'll come on to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I need to talk about the event that I went to um, because it was awesome. Um, those of you who remember, I think it was ooh, probably about four episodes ago, four or five episodes ago, we had Eric from Denmark come on uh, to talk about it his might be even longer than that, but. Giant Fanatic, wasn't it? So it would be, be pre-Scandus, yep. actually. Pre-Scandus, we had Eric from Denmark come on um, and talk about his real-time uh, gaming system that he's been he's running events in. And this was the second running of it. And I got to... I, I had the weekend to be able to head over and take part in the event. And first of all, massive thank you to Eric and to Oliver... Who Oliver's the manager of the uh, Forest Cigar uh, shop that the event was played at, which is their local gaming sort of friendly local gaming store. Um, because due to the fact that they have more than one branch of this shop in Denmark, they have four within spitting distance of each other. Um, I thought it was the one in, in Copenhagen Central, so not a problem. Could get there easy enough on a train ticket. Turns out it's the one about 20 minutes outside, and I couldn't make the last 20 minutes of the journey on the ticket I had. Um, so with a couple of uh, very early morning dashes and, and messages, they, they sorted it out and looked after me superbly, and Eric was an awesome host um, throughout the day. So thank you very much for that, guys, on, on that front. Um, but I got to go over and take part in the event. Um, Put simply, 1,500 point forces with maybe sort of like having five to 600 points held aside for different options. Um, I think I had a little bit more than that because basically I, I brought what had what was packed in my you know travel case, which had like a Typhon and a few other bits and pieces. Um, so showed up and went through the gaming system, and it's. 
it's an interesting experience playing something in real time because once you have your your starting position, so I'm not, I don't want to go into into depth. You can go back and have a listen to the episode of that with Eric because he gives a much better explanation than I could of it. But simply starting off, everything starts off on the map. You start off with sort of picking the area you're going to go for, and then you move your 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 marker, which is like a coloured shield, uh, and then you wait, and you have to wait eleven minutes to then move forward. So it's like the, like the old uh, real-time strategy, like, uh, what do we say, um, Dawn of War and stuff like that, where you're um, moving total, along. Total War, at least. Total War, total war sorry. Yeah, it's probably about a, it's probably the example we should be using. Yeah. So, you know, you build times, whatever. You've got to wait. You move along. And then you sort of, you can land on a territory. And either you can jump straight off that territory and start moving again. Or you can sit and hold that territory, and you have to wait 30 minutes to hold that territory. Each turn is 11 minutes, so it's possible to basically hold it, uh, gain control of it, just before somebody else moves in on top of you, depending on how the timings are. And that's how you play games, is effectively armies aim towards the same territory, and you arrive. So in my, my case, partly because Freddie had been talking about it uh, so much and because I decided that uh, with the, the guy, my general Sebastian, we've been talking about um, uh, what type of list for me to bring. I hightailed it towards the fort, the big fortification that Freddie played in last time, um, which is absolutely beautiful on a modeling perspective. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yeah, Want to put it in there for the listeners? There are photos of Jody just sitting behind the fortification line and looking so content. I was. It was like, oh, I can't even explain the level looked, of the. It looked like he was home, basically. I just felt there. <laughs> and and there, in that picture that you see there, that that picture was um, around about six six o'clock in the evening. I've been sat on that particular table in that deployment zone since twenty past ten in the morning. Yeah, but because the, 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 this is the thing, either you could you went in and fought, fought these battles, and depending on the direction that you came in from the map, which was organised by Eric, who did a great job as a as a GM, uh, because the gentleman who was actually supposed to be GMing had a family emergency and couldn't be there, so Eric stepped up, did a brilliant job as a GM um, for the day, and when we were sort of sort of bouncing around, you came in. Depending on the route you took, you came in onto the map onto the table surface from a particular board edge. So that basically meant shenanigans could happen straight away. Um, or in my case, I went in, sat on this particular um, territory for 30 minutes, literally three 11-minute turns, which meant I took control of it just before Eric's guys showed up. And so I had a Mechanicum cohort come in, and then basically for the rest of the day... I sat behind this fortification, firing, shooting stuff off, and my list was pretty simple. I mean, I, I could take you through it quickly. Siegebreaker with um, like a boarding shield, a couple of other things just to give him some edge in combat if he needed it. Um, a ten-man attack squad in a rhino. Nine-man vet squad in a rhino with a flamer. And then I had, what else was I running at that point? Yeah, three quad mortars with phosphex. 
the only time I've run them all year. Um, I, so bad I forgot most of the rules for a while. <laughs> um, I had to reread the rules while I was standing there waiting for my first opponent to show up. Um, and then uh, I had a my my what well, started to become almost a trademark inclusion in my list, which was the uh, Demos Patternex Plasma Executioners and two uh, Medusa tanks, which I had literally painted in the space of two hours the night before, two and a half hours. Uh, because I finished off the commission and went, shit, these are supposed to be my list tomorrow. Right, here we go. And didn't you just build them quite recently as well? I built them at the beginning of that week. Yeah. <laughs> finished building so them at the beginning of that they week. They were really so brand new. They, they were shiny, hot off the presses, and as much as I love them, and I'm very proud of the model work, uh, I'm actually going to be um, moving them over, I think, to my... Um, to my militia list when it comes around because I think the, the style of them suits the militia a bit better um, but still they they were rather awesome I was very proud of them they did however last approximately two turns <laughs> and died because Eric basically went those things are scary let's kill them um, and for the remainder of the day I basically had one burning wreck of a uh, Medusa in my in my fort, and um, the other one had been blown up. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I could go through all the battles, but it would just take forever. But basically, um, I got reinforced. Eric got reinforced very quickly, and th- that table basically became the table. I think one of the t- the two main tables for the entire day. Because it was like one army would leave, another army would come in, or suddenly there was two separatist armies coming in against two uh, a loyalist and the two traitor armies. It just kept sort of piling in. And at one point, uh, Bjarna, who was one of the, and I apologize if I got your name wrong, but um, who was playing on the separatists army, he came on one side um, on one of the short edges with his tank list, which was basically uh, a couple of squadrons of Lehman Russes, some Sentinels, uh, a Land Raider I think he had in there, or it was a Land Raider conversion for something. Um, and he came in on one side, basically stayed there for about six turns, got pulled off due to orders from up top, and then reappeared for... Oh, no, he pulled out because of casualties and what he could do, and then he came back on probably about two or three turns later from another battlefield saying, hey, I've been sent back. It's like, great, kill him. And we had this little truce going on for a couple of turns. And yeah, it was just all types of crazy. Um, you know, there were some some key highlights, I must admit, um, just purely from a gaming perspective. And that was um, one of the loyalist players that had a white scar army, which I was absolutely bricking it over. I'll be honest. I wasn't looking forward to seeing them coming because they could have just flown into the... Um, into the fort and had their way with me. Um, but You would have loved that. I, because well, then you would have done anything. Well, hey, it's not sitting there. I was doing stuff every turn. Uh-huh. I was shooting. <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it, it was fun. It was, it's, uh, basically, he came on board, had a lot of laughs, and I managed to basically phosphex his command squad and Praetor off the, off the table. Um, sure, why not? <laughs> because <laughs> it was just a case of I've got to do something. Um, and by that point in the day, it was like middle, late, late afternoon. I had, um, we had two, there were 2,000 sun lists on the traders' side 
which is rather awesome. Um, because we had an armored spearhead, which was awesome, which was uh, about, uh, Sebastian's list, and then we had sort of didn't for it, yeah. And then we had because uh, it was only fifteen hundred points, so uh, it was, it was manageable that one. But he's taking on. He actually had a chat. He's taking on board the feedback, and he's going with the list that we we had a chat with him about. Well, um, I thought that was the deal, pretty much. <laughs> um, and then Ricardo as well, who brought in a drop podding, um, drop podding thousand suns list Ooh, with flavors everywhere, <laughs> flavors and melted guns. It was brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, we just had um, had a whole lot of fun and. There, there was some just some really weird moments of stuff happening, and it was just it just became a thing that by halfway through the day it was a case of people going, "You're not moving." I'm like, "Nope, I'm not going anywhere unless I absolutely have to." Um, but that's kind of the idea with the fortress, and yeah, and very much the idea with the Iron Warriors. So we we worked perfectly. Um, yeah, they don't even move from a rod migration. Exactly, they walk right into it with a smile on our faces. Um, and so we had your rapidly aging phases. That that's true, but you know, you know, he died in he died in the uh, in the Pharos at the end of it. Spoilers. Um, anyway, with um, <laughs> yeah, but just imagine how much better he had been had he still been with the uh, uh, proper legion. Yeah, well, if he'd been on if he'd been on the proper side, he'd have been fine. But because he didn't, you know, yeah. Can't but, have and whose fault was that? His. He made yeah. the choice. No, he really didn't. Performer made it for him. Well, that too. Uh, the man in charge made the choice, if nothing else. But in charge, yeah. Shut <laughs> up. Uh, most importantly, by six, by quarter to six in the evening, we finally cleared the table of opposition. So at that point, I could actually regen some of my losses, which was basically I had lost. The entire afternoon, the entire eight hours up until that point, or seven and a half hours up until that point, I'd lost two Medusas and a Rhino. Yeah. And that was it, because it was, you know, I can't complain, being hidden behind void shields and heavily armoured um, heavily armored uh, walls was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then, thanks to the whole rules for regening and stuff, I actually got enough points back to, uh, with the help of some of my teammates, to bring on my Typhon. Um, so I have, for the last two hours, there was myself um, and Sebastian uh, fighting off against every everybody who could get on that table. And um, for the first time the entire day, one of the gates was opened um, by artillery. And one of my units walked out and went, oh, this is what it's like out here. Um, <laughs> and it was just... Um, yeah, it was it was just it was just a brilliant day, um, really good time. Eric did a superb job stepping in as a, as a GM on the day. He knows the game. I know not only does he know the game of 30k and, and how the rules work and everything really really well, but he knows how that system works and it made for just a brilliant time. And um, I had so much fun playing the games. Really did. Um, and yeah, I think it was it, it's one of the most fun events i've had uh experience within a while um one thing i would say is it was very strange at the beginning because we had um at the very beginning we had um what's the words i'm looking for we had like a dead time of about 15 to about 20 minutes while you're trying to work out um 
where to go with your armies and what's happening and you know how to make stuff happen and waiting waiting for something to happen literally waiting for somebody to show up and then suddenly you've got people peeling off to different tables and you know starting games up and stuff like that which was just awesome um and i would thoroughly recommend it to anybody who wants to have fun is to give this a try um it's definitely definitely different um that's for sure and you do have to have a mindset of understanding that you could quite easily get wiped out uh, but you will be back it's you're not done for the day you get a chance to you know wait a couple of turns get yourself back up and running the other thing is there are consequences to your actions you know you take you take a choice to go to one battlefield that's great if it goes wrong you cut off you're screwed or you have to you know make a make a stand and basically go right i'm not going from this particular board but uh gaming field or whatever because my forces need somewhere to go or if we we you know we can't get to this part of the board otherwise mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff it was superb it was so much fun um Sadly, I can't make the next one because of the, just the, the timings, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm free for the one in February, um, and we're going to see what we can do with it in the long run as well because I think it'll be a lot of fun to, uh, to introduce to people all over, and Eric's got a really good thing there. And uh, as we, since we, we already have recorded the main topic of this episode, so this this. Uh, you know the usual timey wimey wobbly timey wimey stuff. Yeah, yeah. Don't blink. But uh, yeah, because of that, we actually talk about this kind of a event and uh, how the narrative works really well with mm-hmm. the time aspect of this one. Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, yeah, I haven't played any kind of event like this in. 15 years perhaps so I've got no recent experience but from what both Jody and Freddie have said I'm really interested in trying this one out oh yeah mate I, I promise you you're going to have a lot of fun doing it when you do get a chance and it's it's totally worth it it's it's a really good fun fun event it's different it's very different compared to what we what we normally play which makes it something special normally uh, play well yeah so <laughs> <laughs> Those of us, <laughs> yeah. Let's just leave it at that and move on, shall we? So, give a like a ten-word summary of the day. Just ten-word summary of the day. Yeah. Um, it was new. It was an experience. It was awesome. Actually, I think there might have been ten words. Um, <laughs> not close clarification. To oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> whatever. Close enough. But it's good enough. Yeah, it, it, it was brilliant. Just, just if you get a chance, if you see something come up, get involved and have a go at it. Otherwise, if you want to know what uh, what what it's all about, I'm sure you can reach Eric or you can drop us a message and we can put you in contact with Eric um, and you can have a chat with him about it because it's, a, it's such a fun system. Yes. It really is. Send us a message and we will send you Eric. Yeah, we can do that too. Or I'm sure. a Eric. We can't <laughs> Eric. Eric. Yeah, it could, it could be Swedish Eric. We could find a Finnish Eric. You never know. If Eric is even a name up there. I, I don't know how the Finns work. I don't think anybody knows how the Finns work, do they? Probably have to add in some extra air or something like that. Some extra letters in there somewhere, yeah. basically. Usually air. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's not get down that route before we get in more trouble. Um, so that's that. And, you know, I think actually we, we should be talking about new stuff now. Um, but Yay. yeah, I, I kind of want to talk about the new stuff because t- as at time of recording, uh, today is, it was the, um, open day at Warhammer World. Well, the first the 40, day of the open day, at least. The first day of the, yeah, the 40k, the first day of the 40k open day. Um, well, let's put it like this. If there is something really, really interesting previewed tomorrow, we would probably do a short recording of that as well, but. Yeah, it would ha- I think with all due, it would have to be some sort of epic bomb drop for it to be awesome. Epic. Uh, well, epic would be epic, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> put it that way. But I tell you what, before before we talk about anything thirty k specific, I think I, I want we we were talking about this beforehand. We need to sort of call back to what we were talking about last episode because we we had this chat about you know what factions we'd like to see thanks to JP, and mm-hmm. I was talking about and we talked we all talked about sort of like the rogue trader or sort of like imperial navy. And I'm actually gonna just cut in here and just uh, go for. I hold here in my hand part of my new. What am I gonna call them? Like uh, flight deck gamma three crew that yep. has been armed. And I also have my mates. Uh, uh, whatever he wants to do with his female things with boob plates. Female things with boob plates. That deserve. And one of the best-looking bolters there is with a needle gun. That's just so cool. Yeah. But yes, Necromunda. Spe- it's speaking here. of cool weapons, there's a plasma stub gun pistol. Yeah, if you if you're not sure what we're talking about, we're going to drop a couple That's of pictures on our. We'll drop a couple of pictures on our Facebook page because it's out there in the world now. We're not spoiling anything, but yeah. It's a stub gun with a plasma gun, like a combi plasma stuck to the top of it. Whoever thought of that as a good idea, <laughs> I have no idea. It's like firing off a, what is it, a point of, like Desert Eagle with a fucking glass glass cannon on top. It's just, yeah. just crazy. It, it probably, the recoil might just shatter the plasma containment tank. On the, <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be bang, boom. Okay, we need, cool. new, we need a new we need a new uh, gang leader. Why? The other one just went up in a small Nova. Yeah. Ah, he fired it, did he? Yep. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as Jody was starting to allude to, was I? Yeah, okay. regarding uh, what we talked about last week. Because yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah, we were talking about the Navy Armsman, and uh, we've all seen the um, the previews of Necromunda, and as Chris has mentioned, the uh, Goliaths and the Escher, which are just superb miniatures yeah. and Morton if I do not see these in your uh, the Escher miniatures in your carnival of, of uh, lunacy or whatever it is for the Emperor's children I'm going to be very disappointed very disappointed get it right sword boy make it happen um, spoon boy sword boy yeah, spoon spoon sword spoon whatever you can get uh, but hey, no hey, hey. we know that he owns a spoon true um, they have released the uh, previews, and they, they were at the open day today, of the Orlocks, the Necromunda Orlock gang that is out is coming out. And, ooh, baby. Um, I, uh, yeah. Just tell uh, the dear listeners about your initial reaction. My initial reaction was, not my Orlocks. 
Hashtag not my Orlocks. Hashtag not my Orlocks. Because uh, like lots of us, I, I played back in the day when they were released, and I, I still have a fondness in my heart for the um, the gang leader with a power action bolt gun. <laughs> I, I did the only prudent thing back in the day and had uh, enforcers. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I, I was actually a massive Delac um, fan of the Delac gang because uh, they were awesome. Um, but yeah, my initial reaction was mm, no, not my Orlocks. But then after having a chat with Chris and, and sort of getting caught up on the uh, what they've sort of done with the fluff um, for the Orlocks, and you know that that buys into what they've uh, pays into what they've done with the models, I really like them. Um, more importantly, with uh, we, again we've been talking about this, and personally, I think with maybe some head swaps to uniform, you know, even them out in a uniform way, I think these models will make absolutely glorious Navy armsmen or rogue trader ship, I don't know, militia, guard, armsmen, whatever you want to call yeah, them. Probably, probably whatever the rogue trader wants to call them at that moment yep. in time. My boys, my my guys, whatever. Um, but I think my these models... My giants. Yeah, no, whatever you want. No, the emperor of Prussia. Yeah, that too. Hey, you know, it depends if he's got a complex or not. Uh, but these guys are absolutely gorgeous. I love, I absolutely, I'm falling in love with the uh, the fact they've got um, rotor magazines. <laughs> well, pardon? Drum fed in, in everything. Drum fed everything. Yes, basically drum fed everything. Yep. Um, shotguns, pistols. auto guns, <laughs> pistols. If it, if it can, they've put a drum on it and it's awesome. Um, That's, I love their I know, overall look. I know it. If you like it, you should put... A drum on it, or isn't it? I think so. It's definitely, it's definitely the the the, um, the new way. If nothing else. I thought that was how the song went, song went, but you never know. I don't know. It's popular music, and it's it's from you know the last ten years. I haven't got a clue. Um, but they they've done that. I'm not sure about the harpoon gun, but that's definitely, you know, if they're whalers on the moon, that's fine. Could but, make it into a quite easily into a cool laser gun of some sort. Like I was thinking. Actually, you know what I was thinking is actually getting the heavy laser cutter from the. Um, uh, what is it? The Gene Stealer mm-hmm. uh, mining minor mm-hmm. cultist or whatever it was that could look quite cool on there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I reckon with a head swap to get a bit of or a stylized cannon, which a rotor, one? A rotor cannon could look. Cool. Rotor cannon would be cool. Even a flamer that could work. Um, I think with uh, yeah, basically getting these guys a bit of a head swap. I'm probably going to buy two boxes of these guys, maybe three. Let get my hands on them. Uh, and somehow I fear, fear and hope that there will be some kind of RPG setting in the future for us. Oh yes, oh god, yes, I hope so. Or, uh, but yes. yeah, there will definitely be um, some awesomeness, uh, and these guys will be getting converted into some form of navy armsmen because uh, they're perfect for it. I really think they're perfect for it. So yeah, we, we're talking about that in, yeah. in episode fifty, and bam, look what they've got and done for us. How cool is that? Yeah. It's almost like uh, we have some in at G Dubs. Yeah. So yeah. Let's see, we'll keep telling uh, ourselves that, will yeah. we? <laughs> so let's see when they release previews of the Sister Sidonia tomorrow then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. We'll see what happens. Actually, you were telling me something quite inf- uh, interesting um, before we came on air about the doors. Um, mm, yeah, let's. Uh, come to, do you want to. There's one more thing with uh, the Necromunda previews from the, today. And there's. They, they will be released alongside Gang War 2, which is the second installment in the Gang War series, and that is the expansion books for the core rule books. And in this book, there will also be some extra characters 
hive scum. They look very cool. Yeah. So they got uh, three of those in there. So it's basically a unit that, unit that they can attach to your force. And you can also, will also get be able to buy some extra tiles with more rules. But more on that when we actually discuss Necromunda in a future in a future episode. Set. Yeah. Because we will. And uh, I sent you a photo. Did you see that one? That is. I think I did. Because I think we should talk about that one in concordance with the doors that we are going to mention now. Okay. Well, do you want to start then, yeah. sir? Uh, on Friday, uh, Fortworld uh, released the pre-orders of uh, f- four more four uh, multiple legion. I was, I was trying to put it in the wrong order. Uh, <laughs> three three sets of doors for four more legions. Or it's four yes. doors for four legions, something like that. I'm not sure I can't count repulsor doors because they're repulsor it's the, doors. It's the rum and the bleach that's getting in the way, isn't it? Let's be fair. Yeah, the reach, or the blum, something like that. The blum. We're going to call it the blum because if you call it a reach around, it's going to sound wrong. We're not passing the reach around, that, we're passing it, it, the blum around. So that's a new drink then. Bleach and yeah. rum, that's a reach around. That's a. Re- there, called it, we named it, it's ours. Right, okay, moving on. Kids, don't try this at home. <laughs> Adults who haven't grown up yet, it's yeah. your choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and these legions are the Thousand Sons, the White Scars, the Death Guard, and the Ultramarines. Well, and I'd like to. I'd like to say they, they've released sets of doors for three point five legions because you did kind of point out a slight flaw with one of them, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is but, kind of important. So I think yeah. we want to mention that. Yeah, but let's. Yeah, but let's do that last because. Oh, all doors, right. You want to save the suspense, right? Yeah, Fair enough. The doors are really, really well done. Yeah. The only one that I would actually run, well, two of these could actually, for me at least personally, run full on a legion, and that's the Thousand Sons and the Ultramarines because they're both ornate enough to do that. Yeah. Fair point. And then we got the Death Guard, command tanks. They look really good. Yeah. I'm a, I really like the Death Guard ones, I must admit. They're, they do look very cool. They also got really a lot of nice transfers that you can put on the doors if you want to, because the best Death Guard doors are the ones that are regular flat land raider and rhino doors for the plastic kits. Mm. And then you put cool stuff on top of them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've got one more here with the white scars. The rhino doors are really nice because they're simple. The this is the Mars pattern rhino doors. Yep. Really nice and simple. The logo is centered. And the best part is they're doors. This is important. White Scar Legion Damus rhino doors that are actually just hinged plates. If you look at them really closely. Yeah, somebody really forgot good. to make it so you could open them. Or at least <laughs> someone forgot to make it look like a door. Yeah, I I still I still remain the, the discussion we had beforehand that this is some sort of clever thinking that the white scars just run rhinos as cannon fodder and that's why they have the doors sealed because nobody's going to actually ride them apart from the driver and maybe a pintle gunner and they can jack out of the jump out of the um, the hatch at the top so that's it well, or unless okay. you've got Jagatai Khan riding on top or but something then, then you could put uh, like a team of. Uh... A tech marine and uh, two servitors with the red missile launchers or something, or missile launchers. There you are. They don't even need to get out the side doors. So yeah, maybe, they just have to fire at the top. Yeah, maybe it's a technical thing. Maybe there is some sort of hidden meaning between all this. And maybe there's uh, rules 
to actually have Jantai Khan use the <laughs> Ryan as a chariot or skateboard. Hey, we talked about this. We're not going down that route because then it will be a custodes grav tank pulled by grav rhinos with Lehman Russ riding on top. Yeah, this is true. And but there's your totally, modeling project, Jake. Um, that would totally mess up our plans from a previous episode of an army just consisting of Lehman Russes. Yeah, but you know you've got to be flexible with the with uh, with the world these days. Sometimes these things change. But um, yeah, so I think I think, in fairness to say, somebody might have dropped the ball on that one. But we'll uh, go with if, tactical if you get decision. To, if you get them, maybe do just a slight line down the middle, so it actually looks like they're do- they're separate doors. Yeah, but otherwise, come up with a really cool reason why they're not, and you know, totally go for it. Yeah, maybe just to remove the hinges from the front or the back and just have like a massive door. That would be cool. Actually, to be fair, I know it's going to sound crazy, but they look like epic breaching shields. <laughs> or, even better, buy Sikarans and put them in the... If you put them, like, by the Venators. Ooh, yeah. Put them in where the sponsors go. Because then that... they would fit perfectly. Because they're not supposed to be doors there anyway. See? Perfect. We've solved the problem. What would you do without a sports world? Well, okay, you probably do what you're doing anyway. But hey, it's, it's, it's the thought that counts. You do you, Forge World. You do you. <laughs> yeah. You do you. So, yes, they have released these fantastic doors, which do look really nice. Uh, yeah. Actually, outside of the technical problems. Well, even even that, with that little design mistake, because it must be a mistake, because no none of the other doors have that design. All yeah. of them have that little, little look of uh, actually having separate doors. But they look really nice anyway, if they can get that... Uh, proper cost on that uh, detail on there yeah if they can catch that detail up or if you, you're happy to model it i think they look i think they look gorgeous um i think they've, they've just done it done what they always do they, they produce some really awesome detailing parts for kits and stuff which make them that much better um and i must i don't know if you've got a personal favorite but i have to say i really really like the um the scarab doors for the uh, the Land Raider, the Thousand Suns Land Raider doors. I don't know why. I just I just I think they look beautifully ostentatious enough for them. Um, I just think they look they look gorgeous. Um, they they would be my go to choice out of all of that that lot for which is the prettiest. I prefer the still Thousand Suns, but I really like the Diamond doors, and I'm not fond of the Diamond pattern in general. But that's not because of the tank; that's because of the Rhino in general. Yeah, fair point. I mean, we, we again something we've talked about yeah. off air, um, but yeah, no, they're they're really cool as well. They look, I, they look really, they fit the the thousand suns. Yeah, they fit the thousand suns, and the scarab itself with the wings and the horns take up enough space to make it look really good. But that's I, really I, I'm not sh- still not sure if I would use pattern doors for everything. Mm. But definitely for stuff like a command tank or nice Damocles command rhino would look. A Damocles command rhino would look pretty awesome with these yeah. on, I think. Or make something if you just want to make if you just have one or two, why not? But yeah, there's way of achieving that in many ways. But yeah, this, definitely this, these look good. It if looks you, good. And if you like them, check them out on Fort World. And speaking of that, there were quite a few more previewed today. Yes, there are. Uh, we can see 
Uh, they've got. Uh, I'm just looking at the pictures that obviously you, you alluded to earlier. I can see Raven Guard. I can see uh, some really nice looking Raven Guard ones. Imperial Fists, World Eaters. We've got the Iron Hands down there. Minotaurs. And the Imperial although, Fists look yeah. uh, quite similar to the Storm Shields in design. Yeah, which is really cool. And then yeah. the third Same with Iron ones. The third Legion ones, I must admit, the Empress Children ones, they are ones that I think look really good um, painted up, actually. I think they'll look really good painted up. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would actually probably use those, you know? Yeah, those look... Uh, they they fit the theme of the third Legion really good. Yeah. And they are simple enough to have a repeat of... in multiple repeat in an army. Yeah. Without having to change them. To they look sure. really good. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely, it's, it's a third legion. Yeah, they do what to do. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this isn't this isn't anything ostentatiously new, um, you know, from from what's already out on the Forge World site for the for those legions. It's just that they they've seemed to have upped the the you know the, yeah. the designs with the, the Demos pattern and all that sort of stuff. There's also some nice world leaders and word bearers and night lords and the, that release page. So. Yeah, and I'm 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 sorry. I'm going to get a bit of a whinge in here because it wouldn't be I wouldn't be an Iron Warrior player if I didn't. But <laughs> Forge World, darling Forge World, could you please go back and make up your fucking minds of what you're doing with the Iron Warrior doors? Because you've got multiple different styles on different rhinos, and if I'm going to be honest, the the design you've got the shield with the skull and everything that's on the uh, the rhino doors, ignoring the front plate because you've got spikes and Lightning strikes and all that sort of stuff. Personally, if it was me, that that's beautiful. Just just go with that. Put that on the Demos. Put that on the Land Raider doors. You know, just just go with that. It looks good. Keep it simple, man. Keep it Iron Warriors. We're a simple legion. We don't need anything too too over the top. Just please go back and do them again. Pretty please. <laughs> pretty pretty pleased. Just for me, if nothing else. Or I'm going to have to buy them and cast them myself, and I don't really want to go through all that. Uh, but I can. To- do them yourself. Yeah, there is that, but I'm asking Forge One nicely because we have an in apparently uh, <laughs> we didn't know about, so might as well put it out there. Um, so yeah, and but the worst part with them is that they that the one you talked about the Demos ones they're basically a combination of all the motifs that the Iron Warriors use in one. Yeah, and it makes yeah. it really busy. It's confusing. I'm, 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 you know, I just it just looks confusing and messy on the model. Personally, it's my again my own personal preference, and heck, I, I prefer to use uh, decals when doing that sort of stuff anyway. Mm. But keep it simple, and it will look really good. Um, that's just my point of view. So I, I got my winch out of the way. Thank you for that. I needed to get that one off my chest because I wouldn't have felt like I'd done done my legion proud otherwise. Um, and there there was other stuff, but before we we move off doors, what I was alluding to earlier. Is the the doors from Necromunda, Ooh. and you talked about the you, you you brought me up to speed on this, mate. Uh, the the conversation um, that yes, popped up, yeah. These as you can hear the hobby noising in the background as Chris is currently thumbing through his copy of Necromunda. That was although that was intentional hobby noise instead of that was just hobby noise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, what did what were you telling me about the um, about those doors themselves? You had some information about it. It was like Andy, was it Andy Hearn came on and talked about Andy, them on the thread. Yeah, Andy Hoare mentioned, I think. I think it was Andy Hoare at least because I remember reading it. It was reading it on Facebook when they discussed. I think it was 
What are they called? The kittens. The kittens? Yeah. I can't think of the name. But that means kittens, bunnies. I mean, sorry for that. Better bunnies. bunnies. I was th- thinking of another. There's a big oh, difference, mate. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking of another blog, so that's why. Okay, fair but enough. Battle Bunnies had a bit of a review of the doors, and I were said mentioned it to be designed to fit the Sormortalis tiles from Forge World, because that would make sense. But there is a problem with them not; they're not always fitting. Uh, they might they might be. Even how they they designed to fit with them, that was Andy Horst said, but they might not fit with every Sormatalis board because of the process of casting the Sormatalis board. So they might need to do some modification to the width of the door doors or the Sormatalis board to make them fit properly. But they should fit, so to speak. Yeah, they should they should be in there. But they did their best. They did design it with that in mind. It's just you know you you can't win when you with with, with resin casting because it can be so. Uh, Hit and miss sometimes with the way stuff stuff actually comes out. It's a bit like the old saying, you don't win friends with salad. That's true. Although, I feel a bit bad for that season. (laughs) That's a large component of what I eat. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. This this explains my my current, you know, yay. Anyway, moving on quickly. (laughs) Just to do a conga line around you with, you don't win friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need. To, no, no, you really don't need to do that. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, well, fair enough. Now, now I know where it's all gone wrong. I shall, uh, I shall endeavour to eat eat less salad. Um, not that it's doing me any good. Um, so yeah, that was that was sort of the, the heads up on yeah. the um, on the doors there, which was really um, not really well, interesting piece of yeah. conversation. A bit more trivia: the uh, one sprue of the of the doors. Weighs mm-hmm. in at 200 grams, which is quite hefty for just plastic. So they, it's going to have them here, and I feel that they are really designed to last. Maybe club a baby seal to death with, but I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't want to try and work that one out. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't want to try and put that into practice, if anything else. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they are rather awesome, uh, by the sounds of it, rather awesome kits. And I'm just, I'm looking at them right now on um, on Games Workshop's main site. And, yeah, I think they're, they're going to... They're, they're going to be amazing additions to any gaming tabletop where you can you can do that. I mean, they'd be awesome in Space Hulk. They'd be great in Zomortalis. Uh, you know, use them for just building scenery in general, entries to do buildings. Yeah, there's uh, a nice uh, circular door with a hat, some kind of iris in it that would make yeah. a perfect missile hatch or missile bunker or something. That's actually a really cool idea, and I, I do like the um, they've they've gone with the broken down barricades and their objectives as well. Yeah, I really I, like the objectives. I have the that sprue in front of me that's in the box because I think you get two two sprues in the separate boxes, but you get one sprue each in the main box. Yeah. So you get lovely details like clusters of grenades just wired together like bombs. So you actually have multi bombing on the sprue. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to do it, you could always fix a fix a magnet to the outside and you know, <laughs> magnetize somebody else's tank. And then clunk, there you go. You can actually show multi bombing, or as <laughs> as it's referred to by some some other um, slightly ill informed podcasts as lazy heresy. Yeah. 
And the barricades look really nice. It's really they really shot up and everything. And if you put some weathering on them, it, they will look like they got bullet impacts, proper bullet impacts, because they got all of that hard sculpted in. Yeah. So the bullet holes are in and the roofs are in and scratches. You just added some scratches, add some nice paint job. Do you know? I, I must admit, what I really like as well, just looking at it in the close-ups, I like the the. Um, I wouldn't say comedy, but it is kind of a fun piece of uh, terrain, which is the the tentacle coming out of the grate, <laughs> which is pretty cool. But I really like the little control consoles, which would make fantastic little points again in Zone Mortalis or uh, diff- different sort of objectives in game, which I think yeah. I think is pretty they... much the direction they've been going in. Yeah. Also, they will be used at at least one event next year that I know of. Oh yes, at least one. Mainly because I, I'm going to put them on the tables and you can play with them. Yeah, if you want to. which is great. <laughs> yeah. Which is what we want. They also so. got lovely ammo crates and uh, weapon crates. Ammo crates. And for those that really hoped for it, with uh, heresy, if the heresy would ever remove them, templates. Yeah. There are really nice orange dark orange templates in this uh, set. Awesome. Yeah, they're really, really good looking. It's not helping that I'm looking at all this going, yeah, I, could, I could buy that. I could, I've got some, I could justify that. I don't need to eat. You know, who <laughs> needs food? I, I, I could buy Necromunda. I have no use for it. I, I don't particularly intend to plan, play Necromunda. Um, uh, well, do well I? I kind of do, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> saying that out loud makes me just go, stupid, of course you're going to go and play the game somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm having my having a friend over for Necromunda a week in a week or so. so yeah, 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 tempting. tempting. Uh, well, you are yeah. welcome, but you yeah. said you had some... I have some oh. prior engagements with my kids with me, so... Yeah. Unless you want to put, unless you want my uh, four-year-old and six-year-old running around, which could be fun. There is a um, playground right outside. Uh, hashtag lazy parenting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go and play out there with your with your brother. You two go and play out there and come back in in six hours when Papa's finished. You know, painting and leveling his gang up a bit. Um, <laughs> no, no, uh, definitely of course, not. Of that. course not. That is only joking. But the invitation is still open, and you know that. Ah, it's greatly appreciated, buddy. It really is. We're gonna do. There's... We're gonna do that later on, anyway. But it's yeah. it's a really nice set. It's uh, I haven't looked too much at it because I try to not focus too the day too much on this because I have to do other <laughs> stuff today, like cleaning. You, you've but, been, you've done the whole responsible adult thing and set, you know done stuff and then rewarded yourself, haven't you? Well, it it arrived at the shop yesterday, and I picked it up today because I had to finish something for school first. So, yeah, I'm doing the responsible thing first and having this as a reward. Yeah, definitely. Which is also why I order a second box of Goliath miniatures while oh. we're waiting. They are rather awesome, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, and I must admit, just purely from a heresy point of view, if you're playing, if you've got um, a World Eaters Force and you've ever ever had a thought of wanting to do something with, um, with uh, militia in any way, shape or form, they would work really well as gun cults. Just saying. Have a rivet gun. gun. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, you know, if you're going to shoot at the moon, choose a rivet gun, or you know, something interesting at least. Well, uh, they also have a really nice uh, chain axe. Yeah. And have... all right, stop it! Or I'm going to end up buying this thing. <laughs> stop it! Behave, Chris. Don't, they don't, have shot don't cannons as well, which is the shotgun right. version of the stop gun. So, yeah. space wolf models. 
Let's get yeah. back to heresy. Yeah, Let's the, get back the, to heresy. Yeah, the bear heads. Some of the bear heads for the Goliath are hideous. But okay. <laughs> Let's start talking. Let's, that's the other thing. The Vargia Terminators They're are hideous. almost, yeah, okay, um, are almost namesakes. Have been again previewed here, and um, I'm I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I love some of the poses uh, of the models. I don't like some of them as well. Um, this is how big my treason is. <laughs> um, and I. Uh, just, I don't like the fur. I've got to be honest. I don't like the way the fur has been modelled. To put again, personal preference. Not a fan of it. Um, I think it's fixable with green stuff, or I, I would attempt uh, to uh, change it with green uh, stuff. I, I think sure. it's fixable with a razor knife. Scrape it all off and then resculpt the fur. That that could work for sure. Because um, this fur might be too coarse to actually do something in, with. Yeah, I just I, I like what they've I like what they've gone for. Um, again, just looking at the picture on Community, four of the five poses I like. The one I don't like happens to be the one on the back left, which is the one that previewed with the the slightly wonky shonky um, waist measurements and everything. I'm, I'm just not a fan of that particular is pose. That, is that the one that is firing or walking? Uh, he stood still and firing. Yeah, so it's the Calth Captain one. Yeah, basically, it's, it's that, that, that frame. Um, and to be fair, I like that model because I actually think that model looks really good with the with the cloak and everything that backs it up. I just don't particularly like it on this model. But again, personal preference. Um, and yeah, the, then they've got like a, a Praetor model that, that's come out or a, a, a Centurion model or however you want to use him. Um, what they've released is a really, really nice sword with an attachment. <laughs> Okay, I wasn't going to be that cut, that hard, but I was uh, more positive earlier today when we when in a little chat I had. But having looked more at it, it's a nice sword with an attachment. It's a nice sword with an attachment. Okay, mm. yeah. I, I I must I must admit again, it all comes down to that fur. I think it needs reworking. If if I was going to put it on the tabletop, I want to rework the fur somehow. Um, Part of me wants to put a clip on those guns rather than having the the, the hang free bolts. Um, and it's a great way to get the gun to jam. Yeah, the, yeah, there is that. But I do like the fact it sort of harkens back to um, the sort of what I would see as like a Ragnar Blackmane image. Uh, you know, with that, I think it's uh, Tommy Soul on Instagram and Facebook. I think he's done a fantastic conversion of it from the uh, the 40K um, character that they released for Space Wolves a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's that same sort of, you know, sword drawn back, you know, going for that sort of motion pose there, which I think looks really good. I'm just, sorry guys, I'm not sold on the fur. It just, just looks wrong. Um, otherwise, I think it's going to look great. I think people are going to make a fantastic job of it. I look forward to seeing what people, what, what the Space Wolf players do with it out there. Um, and I think it's got the option to, uh, I don't think it's mono pose with the, with the head built in. I think you can actually sort of swap that in and out for a helmet. Um, and for painting. And for painting. Yeah, well, again, it's, it's like they did with the, um, the Kalth captain as well, you know, had that uh, center stalk there. I mean, heck, I cut, cut that head off and put it on a cork so I could work on it separately. But, um, you know, I just I, I like to think that there's going to be some space to play around with this and do some more fun stuff with it. Yeah, so, like actually putting the top half of the miniature that is supposed to go with those legs. 
You, you're really not a fan of that pose, are you? Having looked at it, you can't say that the stance makes sense properly. I, I think overall it's not as bad as it could be. Um, I think, you know, as like I said before on air, I think it, I don't think it's right. So it's an um, A for effort? It's definitely an A for effort. Um, and I think, again, I'm trying to find him. I'm trying to find the guy's name. I think it's like Grimjor something or other um, is the guy I'm thinking about. That, uh, what, oh, Crom, sorry. Um, what's his name? Uh, Wolf Lord Crom. Okay. I swear he had a longer name. Um, but that model seems to have a bit more with the feet. Uh, has a little bit more of the right, you know, motion in him. Yeah, his, his body's his body's pointing the same direction. Yeah, and I really like that model. And I must admit, I, I am I am I'm in an hiring between doing sort of maybe doing some space wolves at some point just for the fun of it. And I think if anything, I'm going to take Ulrich the Slayer and turn him into a, a, a model. The new uh, or the old one? The the new one. Yeah, I'm just I really like feeling a bit bad for the space wolf players that has waited so long and then they get this it doesn't really bode well for what the other stuff they're going to get uh, well maybe maybe it does we'll, we'll just and maybe it, it does maybe it doesn't and it really bodes ill for curls on sanguineous that looks like that fur mm, yeah okay fair enough no well we'll see we'll see things have changed and things have good things have you know turned out right in the end but again, it's all down to personal preference at the end of the day. I think we, we should put that one out there as our parental advisory. It's personal preference advisory at the end of the day. And that's so, the it, not down to personal preference. <laughs> true, that's true. But <laughs> uh, basically, well, hey, see, look, uh, can we just say this? At least he doesn't have a bolter purse. This is true. This is true. Can we? Can we? Can we? We can agree on that, right? Yeah, this is true. He doesn't it's, have a bolter purse. It's, it's all good. Sad because I've seen so many really well done minis from the community yeah. and then when they finally get their own Praetor it's a as Not I said a, sh- a chain sword with an attachment <laughs> because that is a really really nice old style frostblade it's very gorgeous I do like it I do really like that one to be fair um, so that's that that's that's what's sort of been going on today um, we hope there will be more stuff dropping now we're very much looking forward to it. Uh, I don't think there's anything else we need to cover, is there, Chris? Or are you going to drop something on me that I've forgotten? Mm. There no. was some 48 stuff released as well, but yeah, you know, well, whatever. They did, they did some. They're going to drop the rules for Blood Angels and Dark Angels if anyone's interested. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I want to. Oh, read you mean stuff. for for 40k? You mean? Yeah. I was going to say, don't do not do that to heresy players. That's not fair, man. <laughs> They're also going to drop limited, special, special, extra fancy guys. Yeah. Well, I would say this. Um, I would say this with, uh, what is it, with the, um, with Necromunda. They released the uh, the legacy rules as well, which yep. was cool. Not to mention well, that. Well, for, because... the, for the major gangs, not all of the minor factions. Yeah, not for ratskins and stuff like that, sadly. But hey, you can't have it all. You can try your best, but you can't have yeah. it all. Well, legacy rules are out. So you get got the main rules for two of the gangs for, so far. You get the warlock once early next year, and you will get have get by rules for other gangs until then. 
Well, then we can work with that, can't we? Because that's what we do in the in the uh, in the community. We work with what we've got until it happens. Mm. Um, so that being the case, I don't think there's anything more we need to cover in the intro. Do you? Not really. I think we're done, actually. So we can Perfect. Move on. Perfect. Well, with that being the case, then, um, with a, a tune chosen for its obvious relevancy to tonight's topic, and I'm, I'm apologizing now for those of you that are expecting something, well, whatever, tough, it's coming. Um, after <laughs> this tune, we will be right back with our main topic, where Freddie, Chris, and myself gabble on all about events we've been to, events, event types, and how to uh, spice up your events and also talking about the Vrangin Heresy event series of 2018. So we'll be right back after this tune.
And we're back. And as promised tonight, we are going to be talking about events. Now, there's loads of things we can talk about when it comes to events. And it's a pretty broad subject. But we're going to do our best to talk about the types of events uh, that you can find out there, what we've experienced as players and as TOs. Um, and then we're going to have a bit of a chat about how we're going to take events in a direction for next year for our event series in a little bit more detail. And then because, and I, I'm sorry for this, because because Chris is an evil man, and we are now talk, we're going to talk about spicing up your events. <laughs> uh, I apologise for what you may hear on this recording. Um, and to then be we're fair, going to... at this point, I might already have heard it as a preview, but we never. Well, then, I'm sorry you've already heard it. How yeah. about that? That's, um... that's the beauty of editing. It might not. It might, it might be. Yeah, due to due to the lottery of editing, you never know where this might be. Um, and then we're going to have a t- quick chat and wrap up with sort of the, the do's and don'ts, and if we remember, quite possibly our own personal top tips for an event. So we shall see what happens. Um, now. Let's let's get going because I mean we we've talked about this um, as we've been sort of been preparing for the event and we've sort of come up with roughly sort of five um, sort of types of events that um, we sort of hit over and some of them do sort of cross over on each other as well. Um, so what I thought we'd do is I just sort of go through the sort of event types that we've talked about, we we thought about, and then we can sort of chat through them. Um, the main one is in my eyes always is going to be narrative because i think that that's just such a good thing for heresy in general you've got a direct competition event then you've got a tournament event now very 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 similar but i think there is a, there's a couple of possible distinctions between the two which is why it's worth mentioning then you've got a campaign event and then something that's uh, kind of new to us but also has been around for a while so you know Take it as you will. And that's real-time events. And that's something that um, both Freddie and I have, have had uh, experience of recently. And um, it's, yeah, we're going to get into talking about that as we go along. So, Freddie, let, let's start this off. And, Chris, let's kick it off with narrative events. I mean, do you want to give yeah. us an sort of example of what you would say defines a narrative event? Freddie, let's go, go with you, uh, bud. With. Well, basically, it's an event that is story-driven. So it means that uh, there's an overarching story and your battle is taking place in that story and somehow affects that story or drives that story forward or you recreate a story that has already ha- happened, if that makes sense. And based yeah. on what, what, how, how your results of, on the gaming table goes, that, that will affect either affect or re- recreate something that you already written. Now I'm probably confused everyone. Chris, take over. Well, it could also, be, <laughs> as an example, if we were playing the Islam 3 campaign from the book. That, yeah. be, that is more of a retelling, but the story, you got the story, you know what will happen, but it might also change because maybe the loyalists win, or maybe everyone dies, or maybe, well, there's also always maybes in those kind of scenarios. So, so sort of like you, like the Istvan 3 is like, uh, recreation, recreating fictional history with alternate endings. Yeah. And then you have uh, <laughs> another another version of a narrative event is basically someone writes a narrative for this set event and then you work out of the, from that narrative maybe driving the entire event forwards, like each round brings changes because we've seen those kinds of events lately. Or maybe 
this kind of this first event is an event, like an event series and might have effects on the story for the next event in the series. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, we have seen those as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we will probably see some in the future. More of those in the future. <laughs> I was just saying, I mean, we could we could throw out a couple of examples. I mean, um, what the guys are doing with BSK and Gothcon um, is a good example of that. For example, uh, to say the least. I mean, we. Were, talking about that event on uh, our last recording and you know some of the things that took place in that event are going to have an effect on the story for gothcon um so that's a that's a clear sort of uh, narrative actual you know example right there uh, and i mean yeah, because like uh, both bsk and, and uh, gothcon is they they have that the rounds kind of affects each other uh, in a way uh, the story is still moving forward, and the story is kind of developing. They have a base narrative, and that narrative gets added on for each round. And each round kind of affects the bigger picture, but it also curves over into the next event. So, like, BSK affects Gothcon, and Gothcon affects BSK, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're all building on the same... They have the same foundation, and then they just add on the story as it develops in the events. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know if we're going to go into like I think we should go into that a little bit later like how how you can how what the different types we've seen how to make that happen mm-hmm. like in in an in-game sequence but we can we can just go through the the types of events and then we're going through like the the different mechanics yeah. We have seen. we can we can cherry pick our favorites as we go along and yeah. and pick out the ones we really want to talk about. So that's that's never a problem. Yeah. Um, so we can definitely do that. Um, and I mean, one thing I would say is, and you're going to hear this a lot next year. The event, our event series, is going to be very much a narrative series. And like I said, we're going to talk about that in a bit more detail um, as it comes along. So that'll be a bit of fun as well. Then we've got the next one we sort of mentioned is competition style events and what would you I've, I've got my own definition of a competition event um, and what would you what would you class as a competition event guys I mean how, how would you consider what would you consider competition playing Jesus Christ <laughs> uh, well. it is it, there's different types yeah uh, co- co- competition for me the difference between a competition and a tournament is that uh, a competition is kind of still split, so so uh, all the kind of loyalists will um, compete against each other, and all the traders will compete against each other. But it, it, it will still be red on blue, what we call in the tournament scene from Flames of War. It will it will still make sure that it, it, like whoever plays like its thematic loyalist always fights traitors, and then it, the competition is like best loyalist, best trader. And and there's different types of things that you can win, obviously. Yeah, and I mean there, there's still I would say even in that there's still a degree of um, not flexibility but but freedom in the missions and you know the actual things that the games that you're playing um, instead of where going into a tournament where I would say that that would be different. In other words, you you might rather than playing. Your standard mission books you might see uh, might easily see specific missions that have been written by the tournament organizers um, 
maybe not towards, as we say, the narrative as, as, as a narrative style event, but something to be more interesting than the, the basic missions, um, which would be um, sort of more the, the competition style where, like you say, it's red on blue or blue on red, whatever. Um, and there's, there's still a degree of, of gaming in there. Um, and yeah. that's, that's sort of how I'd look at that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think that the the thing that if you go the first thing that happens when you go away from a, like a narrative event and you look more into like a, a semi competitive event is that uh, it's no longer becomes about uh, the faction that wins or or like driving a story forward is not the, like the winner isn't the story uh, the faction that wins the event wins like the the story, so to speak, like they are, the, like how we do at Scanners, like the loyalist wins, and then suddenly, like that, like it means that it doesn't matter if it went bad for some players or good for other players. It's just that the entire faction won, and it it it, it changed the story. And yep. there's no prizes for like who was the best uh, individual player, because uh, the prize the, the prizes are more about the hobby, and it's all about. I think that the price is like dry. The, the story, winning the story, is the price. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So complete, complacently completing out what's been set out in front of you is the um, is the prize in and itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then when you go into competitive, suddenly it becomes inst- uh, like individual pli- prices that is not about best sport or best painted or something like that. It's all about, you know, best general and, and you know, best traitor, best loyalist. So they, this suddenly you start to introduce like individual prices. So it becomes a bit competitive. Yeah. And then, I mean, what I would say is with, with competition, it's where you can, you can start seeing um, a degree of, um, I, w- I would think you could see uh, a degree of, um, list specifics um you know in regards to sort of like maybe i don't want to say restrictions but definitely things that can can affect the list i mean it's going to be it's something that you find in all um in all these types of games there's always going to be a degree of that Um, but i think it starts to become more prevalent in competition play and then you'll find it i've my experience has been if we move on to tournament play is where you see things like special characters actually not being present or maybe uh, that's from my experience in sort of fantasy tournaments where it's been, you know, no special characters, no, you know, no, no limits on war gear, limits on things where you start seeing it's about the player, the army, and getting to the, the head of the pack, which is where you sort of come into the, the tournament the tournament style. Yeah, the, the, the tournament style is kind of where you leave almost anything that has to do with the narrative. It, it, it doesn't really matter if you're, if you're lo- loyalists fighting loyalists or whatnot, it, because it's basically is, uh, who, who is the best, best player. So the yeah. story is a bit, little bit le- less. Uh, what we th- see, at least in the 40K, like when I used to play 40K, is like there's something called comp and heaps of restrictions when building armies and stuff. But also another thing is it's usually the stock standard missions out of the book and they're published in advance so you kind of know which missions there are and yeah I was going to say one one thing I came across uh, in the, the tournaments that I've played 
um, especially back playing fantasy, was fixed table terrain. So everything was exactly the same on every table. Uh, Yeah, no, literally. I mean, there there would be – I mean, it wouldn't be maybe every table has a church building and a house and four bushes and stuff like that. But there would be a degree of – there would be – like fixed impassable impassable terrain there would be x number of hills and x number of forests on every table so right, everything right. was yeah that's you, uh, not too uncommon actually so so yeah. socialist wargaming well i would say tournament play as as i have experienced it <laughs> but it was it was designed i i know sorry cuz i just say from my the experience of when i played uh, and this was a fantasy tournament several years ago when I actually asked why they did it, because it was something very new to me, it was the answer given was to ensure the table is is less important than the the actual playing between the two generals, between the two armies. Then uh, the dice rolls. Yeah. yeah. So basically, it took it took away the the effect of uh, you know random uh, ra- deployment uh, deployment restrictions. Maybe have one table having. Um, you know, river again. Be back in fancy. Your you know, movement restriction to rain um, is heavier on on one table than another. So everybody has the same uh, impacts on their their army. So again, it just comes down to uh, you know how the armies perform, how the list has been created, and how the general plays it. So uh, again, I don't know if that's something you guys have encountered with the with the fixed terrain or anything like that. I played War Machine. What do you think? Okay, enough said. <laughs> then, it, then it's basically, well, we're going to have a, a wall here, some rocks here, and a hill here. And that's it. But this is like... In, in, in 2D terrain. I was going to say, uh, is it 2D terrain? Does that count? Uh, most of it isn't, actually. Really? Yeah. It's, that's more of a preference. But uh, a lot of it is basically just having a formula. There should be at least one hill. There should be one of these and one of these. Basically, this is what should be on every table because if it's not, one player will have an advantage <coughs> if the terrain isn't balanced. And that, but that's just because that's another kind of game. It's made for competitive gaming, so you have to think about that. Yeah. So that, that's again, it's, it seems like it's actually something that goes across formats. Uh, if that's the case, then because again, I've, I've not played anything outside of sort of fantasy. Mm-hmm. In the tournament in the tournament style, anyway. Um, but uh, that that was definitely an interesting aspect. I would say that much. Uh, what about yourself, Freddie? Uh, well, I I play a lot of. Well, I used to play like now. I'm I'm probably too much into heresy, but I, I played a lot of Flames of War and heaps of Flames of War tournaments. It's been my main tournament game, and I think the. The difference between those type types of tournament is that the terrain, because it's a World War Two game, the, the the terrain isn't. Well, you try to play place the terrain so it's playable, but it also needs to look like some sort of like a, a proper, you know, table like a historical table. So like if you have Bukash and shit, like you you know that's you know you're doing like a Normandy style terrain. You do, you know, you do Russian steps and. So it, it, it's like some some tables will have more terrain, some tables will have less terrain. So so it's kind of effective, but but that's just how it is. So the table are, are the, there to make enhance the aesthetic of the army, but it's also 
it's a different type of game because the movement is so important compared to other games and, and positioning and use of terrain. So I guess, but it's never been an issue about, uh, that they have to do war machine style type of balance tables because the table still has to look historically good. So one thing with war machine in particular is also that a miniature takes up the amount of space in height on a, on a scale on how big its base is. So even if you put your, your infantryman on a small base on a, like a rock or something, he still won't be taller than what his base mandates him to be. Okay. So that's, wow. Yeah, but that's uh, because that's that game isn't uh, designed for the same thing as Warhammer was. It's designed for actually playing tournaments. Oh, cool. I I, I played first edition yeah. uh, it's War Machine, and just after better, they start, it's been better and it's been worse since then. Ah, fair <laughs> enough. Because <laughs> they're Mark Three and they're a year in and they're finally sorting stuff, but. Yeah. I'm, models not, look cool, I'm, though, I must admit. I'm not playing anymore. I'm just listening to some of the podcasts because they're funny. <laughs> Always worth keeping your oar in. You never know when you might get back to it. So, well, one of them is basically, it used to be a War Machine podcast, but now it's a general hobby, general nerdy podcast with that's War Machine adjacent. <laughs> War Machine adjacent. Yeah. I like that term. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being on the 40k table and being called heresy adjacent you know it's just because just you happen to be next to it I like yeah. it <laughs> that's, uh, the, well, that's why I think it's uh, so interesting for us as heresy players to look at the War Machine community and look at their tables and you see where's the terrain, where's the narrative but that game is designed for actually having a win- winner and a loser in every turn basically Ah, fair enough. Because That's good. Ma- mainly running tournament styles. Uh, tournament styles. I yeah. say terrain styles. That might be because I'm looking at the. Um, <laughs> I'm currently I happen to have uh, terrain up in front of me on Forge World. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm well, obviously it, doing it, things important. If you want to play that kind of game, it's a decent game. That's more or less it. Fair enough. Cool, cool. Well, then we move on from the tournament style to a campaign style event. Uh, Freddie, you had a really good example of this earlier when we were chatting off air. Yep. Uh, I did. You did. Which one was, which one Nicholas's was that? event. Oh, Nicholas's event. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> a, campaign, a campaign style event is, uh, is kind of more like um, where each round has its own kind of narrative and it drives the story for you. It's kind of similar to a narrative one, but uh, the tables change according to how the events go. So, like, if you start start off, like, all the tables are, oh, you're fighting in the ash wastes of the planet. Uh, and then you move forward and suddenly you start uh, fighting in fucking Hive City, suburbia. And then suddenly you go into, like, some sort of siege battle warfare. So it's, it's like the, <clears throat> the missions and the terrains and the tables have a set story. So, like, how, how the battle progresses. And depending who wins or not, doesn't really affect the over, overall story, but it gives you bonuses from going into each other battle. So, just for the benefit of the listeners, which event would, it, would, would this have been, and which Nicholas are we talking about? Because we had uh, talked about this earlier, you know? <laughs> yeah, Pew, uh, it was Nicholas' event at PewPewCon. So, we kind of started at... Uh, he had laid up the tables, so we started at the first set of tables, and we fought, and then that 
dictated the next round where we fought at, at the next table up. And then at the last round, that dictated how uh, the loyalists came in onto the big, we had like a big, massive factory solar challenge thing, which was like an underground research facility. And that dictated how they came in, what bonuses they had, depending on the last battle, or if, if uh, what happened was like Eric's force was delayed in shit. And, you know, because he lost his battle and, and, and stuff like that. So it, it affected the last mega battle, which was basically everyone was playing two versus two. And then they walked in and then it became everyone versus everyone. Like on, on that table track, if that makes sense. So it, mm-hmm. it, we started out, uh, started out like with like, uh, you know, four tables and then moving into another four tables. And then those four tables moved into, you know, the big battle. So you, you kind of move move forward uh, tables and story wise, and, and it kind of became a flu on effect. But you will always reach the end table. It's just how how damaged will the loyalists be getting there, depending on how they did, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. So that was like a campaign set. So the campaign is set out, the story is set out, uh, how the, how it affects the narratives, like. It, so essentially, the, the lawyers will always win all the way up to the end table regardless, like in the overall story. But depending on how much damage the, the trader has done by winning battles and stuff, that will affect the last battle. So like you say, it could, it could be possible that technically the loyalists are winning all the way up, but the, the majority of loyalist players could have actually lost their, their, their games throughout the day, to which point... It comes down to the fact that the traitors actually have, let's say, maybe a bigger deployment or better reserve roles or something because they've, they've yeah. had to, you know, they've had that sort of impact on the day overall. Yeah, and then and then the last game uh, kind of uh, decides the campaign, who won't win or lose, because you've done the campaign track. And to keep the story forward, you have to have the overall that the loyalists are winning, except that they might be, you know, it might be an easy victory or it might be a fucking, you know, a hard victory where they actually lo- losing stuff. And then in the end battle, it becomes to which faction is going to win. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that, there, that's... There, there, there's a, a, another story to this. Like there's another campaign that I've done, like uh, just down at the club. And that is, uh, you'll have, uh, it, it's pretty easy. It's like a flow chart. Like did the, you do the first battle. And then like, if the loyalist wins, you play this scenario uh, on this terrain, or if the traders win, you play this scenario on that terrain. And then you do it again and split it up again. So if whoever wins this scenario, you play that scenario. And then whoever wins that, you go and you split it again until you play like a final scenario. Simple. Easy done. Yeah. It's, if you love spreadsheets, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing for you to do. Uh, no, you don't need spreadsheets. It's pretty easy. I'm and kidding, and man, if, you I'm want, kidding. if you want to, if you want to, uh, like a really good example of, of this, uh, used to read book four conquest. Yeah. Yes, they have a, what, a type of that scenario and, a, and a, like the conquest campaign system is awesome and you can apply that to, to an event, not just uh, like a, a, a club where you play it out of, like it, you could play it out on a club for a couple of months or you can actually apply that and make it more streamlined and faster and just play it on, on an event. Like for example, Nicholas did or any other events you want to do. There's lots, lots of options there with the, with the campaign. As you say, it's, it's brilliantly supported by, um, book four 
conquest with uh, with Forge World, and there's lots of lots of cool things in there because again, the campaign style really really plays into the sort of character development um, options that you can have for your uh, for your dudes and have you know build so, up the story. Yeah, and 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 even if you look at it like the, the BSK and the GothCon events, they are narrative and their campaign style because whatever the last event did affects the next event in like an overarching campaign where they talk about their their system and where the war is going on. But the, it, it, it also breaks down to each event is their own narrative, own, own story, so to speak. Yeah. So, so you can do as complex campaign as you want or you can do just a little bit to move the story forward. It's very much a, a, the option of picking and choosing there, which is very, very cool. So then let's move on to the last one. And this is, I would say this is very specific um, because I, I don't personally know of very many um, instances of this, but, you know, feel free to let us know if this is something you've run as well. Um, and that is the uh, real-time campaign. Uh, and this is something that uh, Freddie and I have both been able to have some fun with recently. Um, I've had some fun with that. Many many years ago. <laughs> awesome. Then Playing we fantasy. see. There we are. Even better. More examples to come in. Um, and yeah, this the re- the real time style of gaming, which is which is um, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> At least I think so. I I absolutely love the love doing it. Uh, but again, Freddie, do you want to sort of take everybody through it and what we're talking about here? Uh, well, basically, you have uh, an event that's going on, and what you do is. Uh, well, uh, an example for 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 the uh, the Danish event is that you have a map and you actually move your armies across the map until you find an opponent and there you play like a battle. And while you're doing that, everyone else is moving along their map. And even if you're stuck in a battle fighting, people could be moving out. They can move into your battlefield, fight fight with you or against you, and and it's a lot of stuff going on. So it's it's not it's not relegated to rounds or times because you basically play a battle either until you get tabled or you you decide to withdraw or you know or you've won <laughs> so and, and and all everything is happening at all the also each each point on the map is their own table and you move around the map and and you try to you know, chase down and you have movement times and stuff so it takes time to move from one space to another which is just actual time um yeah, so it's, it's kind of like uh, if you imagine a computer game, like uh, you know, Total War or something. Uh, but then you you stop and instead of playing the battles, you play miniature games. That's that's kind of the the easiest way to explain it, I guess. Unless you have something better, Jody. No, no, I think that uh, that's spot on. I mean, that is that's how I would describe it. I was I was literally while you were talking about it, trying to think of some sort of computer game reference because that was where my brain was going. Uh, yeah. Is having played stuff like that in the past. Yeah. Um, so, so you have like uh, you'll have uh, uh, some good tos and you'll have some game assets that will keep telling the story and telling up scores and stuff and make sure that the map is updated and. And you know, keep everything in track. It's, it requires a bit of uh, admin. Well, it depends on how big it is, but uh, the bigger it is, the more admin you have to do. But you know, it, it's super fun, and it's and uh, super engaging. It's yeah. kind of recreates the ebb and flow of real battle and stuff. Uh, it, it it's hard to pull off 
but when you do, it's uh, fucking an awesome type of event, like a type of style of event. I'm going to do a bit of callback here because we had Eric from Denmark on early this year on one of our episodes. And he went through this quite... If you want more information, he went through it quite nicely. If you want want the information from somebody who knows what they're talking about properly. (laughs) (laughs) Eric Eric went through it for sure. Um, I was going to say one thing that's definitely key... um, would uh, would be that this is one that most definitely has an overall game master running the the event super hands on. Uh, that's something. I mean, you know, we, we've we've all been involved in events and, and TO'd events where you have a degree of involvement, whether it's people asking questions or you know setting things up, making sure people are going to the right tables, or it could be um, much more involved, but. This is something where you literally have a games master being the hub of everything that's going through it and, you know, sort of really keeping control. And one thing um, that I noticed was that there was a degree of um, uh, balancing being done um, to keep the, the, like any good GM would do, um, to keep the event going. um, Because if things are going, you know, so bad that it's, it's going to affect the, the entirety of, of like one side, for for example, then um, you know the GM can and should really step in to keep the game going for everybody, and uh, you know picking you know whether it be I don't know, I can't remember if I've talked about this in the beginning because of the way we've recorded this, um, but you know for example the the games that I was I don't playing. I think it's any harm to repeat. No, I'm just going to wibbly wobbly diddly do diddly do going all that way to a Scooby Doo ending kind of thing um, that uh, basically. When we were when I was playing this the event at, in Denmark last weekend, um, there was a point where if the uh, if any of the traitors were routed from their tables, they would get wiped out completely because we'd been completely outflanked and lost all of our friendly territories. So to give us a chance, the uh, the TO gave the drop pod army that we have the opportunity to pick up and move. Um, still regenerate, but pick up and move and actually land um, on a on any sort of um, open um, area on any one of these points. So we would basically have a um, have a landing point. So we had somewhere to go, um, which you know actually kept us in the fight for the for that day, uh, which was a lot of fun. So you know stuff like that with real time is. Uh, I just think it's more heavily involved. It's like literally like D&D or some sort of almost role-play session where you can have that much fun um, with that sort of thing. Uh, Chris, you, you, sorry, did I cut, were you going to say something, mate? I feel like I cut you up there while, while I was uh, sort of gabbling on a bit. I usually do. Yeah, true, but at least this time <laughs> I remember to turn around and talk to you about it. I just, <laughs> mainly I just wanted to mention what I did with listen to the other episode if you want more information. Other than that... You should talk about. You should have talked about this uh, in a way. Yeah. But cool. what okay. I'm gonna say is that this kind of a, event is quite similar to. Basically, we played an old map campaign uh, as well, just focused on one or two days instead of months. Yeah, very true. Very much condensed type of event. Yeah, because you uh, could always get uh, if someone was losing badly, you could always maybe get give them a bit of reinforcements for the next round or 
you have to ca- capture the tiles and everything. And I think it even de- developed from that kind of campaign style, just for run as an event instead. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense actually. Um, and I I remember playing uh, an event like that in uh, in my what was my local GW at one point. And I think the most fun part was actually just moving stuff around the the map than uh, <laughs> actually playing the games. But I think that was uh, so, be, so. You would even have been satisfied just to buy a, a realm of battle tile, whatever it was called. No, not the realm of battle, but yeah, they, mighty, mighty empires. empires that, 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 the realm of battle ones are the battle boards. But just yeah. buy mighty empires and just painted it up and just moved it around and. Yeah, to be fair, that's actually what we did. They got us to create our own uh, our own little icons on uh, on on uh, the old sort of large square fantasy bases, nice. uh, which was so cool. And that was that was literally the best bit. Moving it around, going, "Oh, I've got to play a game, right? Fine, get it out of the way. Where do I go now?" <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I used to love playing Warhammer Quest and stuff, you know, that sort of stuff. So that was that was always my sort of thing. Um, the last so, uh, thing I played like that was. Uh... When we played Storm of Chaos as a map-based campaign. Oh wow, cool! So we had the uh, Empire. There's a, good call. There's a callback. Yeah, that was a long time ago, and that was where I played my lovely Dwarven Slayer cult. Never was forget. It really, was it really that long time ago? It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it was twelve years or so ago. It's never that long ago in our hearts, Freddie. That's the thing. Yeah. We never forget these things. Don't, never forget don't, the old don't world. Don't worry. I still have unpainted models from that time. Oh, good. Yeah, You're doing who, it right, who, man. Who doesn't? <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Who doesn't? So I think I think those, as we sort of said, when we sort of map this out, those were sort of the the five styles of event. I mean, if you've got uh, just as a talking point, if you guys have got any sort of other types of events you feel that we've missed, then please let us know. Um, and sort of give us an idea of what it is, and if you've got any examples, that would be pretty darn cool as well, because we'd like to hear about them. We like to steal ideas. Well, yeah, we, that too, that too, but... interesting. Um, uh, repurpose. But is it really stealing when it's done in an homage way? That's just well, pretend it is and not stealing? Did, uh, did, did we get into some sort of IP infringement conversation now, or do we nah. just go, no, <laughs> no, there, no there, there's really nothing copyrightable but it's quite nice if someone has an idea and they get credit for it that's more it this is true so that's what that is if you write in and you tell us about something awesome we will tell you tell people that you send it in yeah we're not going to claim your credit we're we're not like that we're not that bad we're really not well maybe um maybe jody but not no one else's oh well somebody's got to be on this uh, (laughs) this trifecta clusterfuck of ours um so Let's talk. Let's let's sort of give an overview. Let's actually focus down on our event series next year to give some to give the guy to give everybody listening an idea of what we're aiming to do when we're starting to talk about um, you know sort of event types and everything. And we're running four heavily comped tournaments next year. Are we awesome? Right, yeah. great. Okay, I'm glad I was. I was glad I was around for that 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 conversation. Um, not we're, like it's we're actually moving to eight. We're moving to eight. Okay, there was one step too far, and you just took it. <laughs> I'm obviously joking, and here's, here's the really right you, <laughs> you better be joking, otherwise... Uh, yeah, the most anyway. important thing is that all Iron Wars are banned. You've got to be there, mate, so to ban this, so we'll, well have to see Brandy how... Brandy is going to do a world leader, so... 
Well, no, I'm genuinely talking about thinking about doing that as well, which could be fun. Um, well, Jody isn't playing, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, this is also true. Anyway, before we start, we continue bitching at each other for the next five minutes. Uh, well, uh, talk about next year. And Chris, you, you've been the, the sort of overarching well, architect of this well, one. You, I'm just going to do, do it because obviously we have edited out about 15 minutes of bickering by now. So welcome back to the after bickering continuation <laughs> of this episode. Yep, exactly. So you're the writer of this, Chris. You've been writing. You've been you've been leading the way on this. Why don't you tell everybody about what we're doing next year? Oh dear lord! Well, we're doing a narrative event series which with linked battles set on the planet of Numina Elysium, which is our planet basically for next year. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, the loyalists are holding the planet because story wise, that's because reason. It, it won't really matter because we have talked about fixed story series prior, to, prior in this episode. And it will be a bit like that because the story will be somewhat set. But that doesn't mean that the influence of the battles won't be there. You, you can still make your faction heard, so to speak. And the fate of the planet in the end isn't set. So that's all to play for. And... Uh, well, we're going to start off with basically the day the Shadow Crusade got to the planet. And that will be the Lincoln event next year, the Assault on Amorium. And that's our uh, our first event, as you say. Fifth, well, now, remind me, because I'm going to make, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get points, Centurion yep. Restrictions, uh, Raider, and Garrison Force Orgs. Perfect. That's good. So this is... I mean, as we say, look, talking about the types that we're talking about, we're talking narrative, narrative, uh, narrative series with uh, campaign influences to it. Yeah. Um, and, and the first uh, event is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and sadly, that also means that for at least the first events, in plural, there will be restrictions on some armies that won't actually be on the planet because it makes no sense story-wise. And we will also have a restriction on characters, but... We are going to put out more information of this continuously until the event starts. And if you have any questions, just send them to us and we will answer them as best as we can at the moment. Yeah. So that's that's nothing to not to make one player, just a single out player or anything. It's more of making the story make sense and make the narrative work and make... Like, the first events are so specific that we have to do some restrictions just because of not making well making them work uh, no i'm repeating it but we have to make them work and that's what basically the step we had to had to take sadly yeah and it's i mean it, this is this is this immediately brings up one of the things that's that's a part of a, a narrative event um is that the story drives uh, a lo- everything one way or another, uh, it drives what can be there, what can affect how things can be. Um, uh, if you're playing on a, a desert planet and you're fighting, you know, let, let's just say you're fighting on uh, Arrakis of all places, you know, it's unlikely you're going to get a giant blizzard coming in. It doesn't make sense. You might get um, a giant worm, though. True, which I've seen done in game living. terms, which is fucking hilarious. Um, but giant uh, sandstorm. No, the, the the giant worm on one of the tables from 
from the real time event, which was brilliant. Um, but, what, and, but what if Darude was playing all of the events? Well, then you never know. We, again, these are all important factors. Then, then we would have drunk Finnish people everywhere. Yeah, and there's the second song for this episode sorted. I know oh, we've had it. We've had it before, though. I know that. Yeah, well, we could always get the, the <laughs> Vladimir Putin version where he's playing it on the piano, whatever. Um, but that oh, that's so you want a song about uh, Putin. Yeah, whatever. Um, so that that basically gives an idea of of sort of uh, an immediate example of of the narrative event style where. You know, certain things literally do not fit for the case of the story, and that is something that you ha- has to be taken into consideration. Uh, but that doesn't stop the fun happening, which is the important which, bit. Which gets gets us into like suggestions, and uh, when it comes to special characters like the Primarchs and stuff, we've we've come across um, like a heaps of different types of events. We have some where it's com- first come first serves. Other events there being uh, like with the BSK and Gothcon. A uh, certain amount of characters haven't been allowed because they're not supposed to be there in the story. Yep. Uh, and then we had had a, and also they do uh, another thing is like uh, they don't disallow multiples of the same special character, but they do some sort of drawback bonus if you have multiple on one side. Yeah. Of the same also, character. if uh, like if uh, we have four players with Mortarium, so to speak, and Mortarium dies on one table. That means all of the other Mortarians will get the debuff in the next game. Yeah. Because Mortarian has perished or fallen in one game. And that's a way to balance the narrative as well. So welcome back after that little technical fuck up. <laughs> and, yes. and shares, it seems. Now I feel better. Yeah. You go for beer, I'm going for Cuba Libres. Oh, well, you know, I have to work tomorrow. Yeah. I can't be drunk all the time when I go to work. <laughs> or could I? Mm. Mm, probably, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. But I guess, I guess we should get back to the red thread here. Yeah. We were talking about events, and we were talking about everything sexy about events, and I think we were starting to talk about what we're planning for next yeah, year. I think, I think we are a bit into the our event, the first one next year, and uh, I started a fluff, and I think we started to. I think we're gonna start with it will be a fifteen hundred point event with some two hundred restrictions. There will be a raider and garrison force org, and now to the one who actually plans the rules or the events. That part. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> you can you can talk a bit about so, it. Yep. So, so basically, well, if, if you go through the, the fluff, and then I can go through the rules, because the fluff is cool. So just give the story behind it, and then I can fill it out with, like, how we're going to make that yeah. kind of represent on the tabletop. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's, it starts with the space battles, when the, the, the Numen Elysium is a regular loyalist planet. It's not the most heavily industrialized. It doesn't have the largest forge world, but it's still an important planet, because... It's closed a stable warp gate, or warp rift, or not warp rift, warp gate. Warp, ru- warp route? Yeah, let's call, let's call it a stable mandible point, that's the best word. And uh, uh, with, with that it means that it, it is important in as a harbour, basically, and a resupply point, more than its importance in having large mat- military wealth or materi- materials or anything like that. And 
the day the traitors show up, they start they assault the main starport slash what do you call it spaceport because it's both in in the in orbit and on the ground and that is Amorion, which is basically a large trading city with uh, loads of loads of uh, star uh, landing fields and yeah different different installations that are important. They're basically the most important things on the planet to take when the first mm. attack happens. Yeah, and, and and just to represent this on the tabletop. Because there's heavy fighting going on, there's heaps of space battles. You can't really send down bulky, slow-moving transports or anything. So the entire fighting is done by like kind of specialized uh, infantry units, uh, supported by walkers and skimmers and jet bikes and stuff. So because that like a, a drop pod can probably you know survive the barrage because the defense lasers are still active on the planet. You still have like. Uh, monitors, like defense monitors uh, around the planet. There's a massive space battle going on. And so you, you can't really launch a lot of stormbirds, a lot of like bulky transport to get like heavy equipment on like falchions and band blades and, and titans even. So it's basically just the, the pathfinder teams of the traitors hitting the planet and trying to uh, take out, you know, key, key locations. Sort of like... Uh, Tip of the spear, Sons of Horror style, you know, trying to get establish a foothold on the planet while the space battle is going on. Yeah, or maybe capture the more important uh, installations in the in the spaceport above as well. Yeah, and I think we we chose to make it a bit larger in Centurion restrictions instead of just some mortalis because we want really to explore something new in this as well, yeah. not just having the same old. Uh, so much on these thousand point restrictions, and, and, and to represent uh, seeing as we for some fucking reason, even like we were talking about for before when we did campaigns and events and stuff, and I know like the Age of Darkness people keep talking about book four as well, but it, it's just one of the best books that they've done when it comes to getting ideas for events and and getting ideas for like how to run campaigns or narrative events or anything. It, it, it's like a a fucking golden nugget. So what we decided to do, we, we decided to use the excellent Centurion style of, of basic rules and then apply it to the Raider Garrison Force Orgs to play out the Raider missions from Book 4. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then just like working with it, and it works perfectly because it, it's a, it really gets to shine when you do Centurion on Raider and Garrison. And I, I played heaps of uh, trial battles, battles before we, we decided on this, like down at the club. And and it's just, it is so cool to do the Raider Garrison with with just the Centurion rules because it becomes more thematic. It, it becomes more hit and run raids. It's more focused on like fast moving infantry troops and stuff. And yeah, it, it just works. And it's just one of the things that we really wanted to try and do to make something different and that's narrative-driven, and that gives a story on the tabletop as well. And it fits in with the overall narrative that we want to tell next year. Yeah. So that, yeah. And this is, as we mentioned, this is the first point of the planet that they're attacking. They have to capture it, they have to secure it. And maybe that that is the best way when you send small teams to get as much, grab as much as possible just to make sure everything is secure so there won't be a counterattack immediately afterwards. 
Yeah. And that's also what we're trying to represent here. Maybe a, you just have a quick strike at the at the, the control rooms on the space stations or at the control towers at the ground so you can open up the landing fields yeah. and turn off and, the and, anti-aircraft guns. And, and, and also, like, uh, if, if we're going back to, like, the why we picked Centurion and the point size we've done, uh, it just happened to fit perfectly with the narrative as well. But it also, because we want to be there and we want to start with a bit lower point values than we did than we do normally, just to encourage new people into the hobby, like new players, maybe get current players to, to think about swapping out an army because it's, you know, we do 1,500 points. So maybe if you, like I, I used to play that Legion, now I want to try another Legion and it also helps out, you know, new players and and all that stuff so 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 we're trying to incorporate a narrative slow growth campaign driven event series yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to hit all those uh, all those you know balls out of the park <laughs> and we're not, the, the, not trying to overreach here <laughs> now we're not trying to overreach but so we're doing it like a, a like we spent the last two years trying tr- throwing everything at the community, like uh, with crazy cards, with crazy dice, with crazy special characters, with everything. We've thrown everything at the community, and next year we're just going to cherry pick everything that everyone gave us. Like, oh, I love this shit. So we're just going to take the best out of everything that we tried for the past two years, and we're going to apply this to this event series. If that makes sense. Also, as we said, yeah. the, the 1500 point limit is quite nice because, uh, as Fred just mentioned, if you want to make a new force, you can quite easily. 1500 mm-hmm. points is basically a Metroid of Calc box if you run a Raider organization because you only need elites, basically. Yeah, so they're veterans. Or if you, if you want to go uh, balls in, you get two of those and like uh, an Aegis defense line or a Bastion and then. Bob's your uncle. Your then you have, set. have both of your armies set. Yeah. But we're going to give out information exactly how the armies will be have to be constructed and the limitations. Mm. And, well, limitations might be the wrong word, but how they should be, be constructed for the narrative, because... Yeah. Yeah, this, we're doing this for fun. And, uh, exactly. We're, we're, we're trying to recreate the story and tell a story and make that story move forward. Yeah. Just like previously, we talked about different types of events we, you, you want to do. We're we're going to try, we're going to try to dabble a little bit of everything except for competitive and tournament side. So we're going to try to dabble in campaign. We're going to try to dabble in narrative. We're trying try and combine that, you know, and and make that our own and make it the best way we can to tell a story and still have people fucking love the games and the events that we provide. Like you know. At least every the, the only thing we got from this year and last year is that every single person had a fucking good time, and I, I think as long as you get hit that ball mark, like any kind of event that you want to try and done, if, you, if everyone comes out, regardless if it was balanced or not, or if it was narrative or not, or if it was competitive or not, as long as everyone had a fucking blast, then then you're you're fucking golden. Mm-hmm. This is true. So. so yeah, next one. Yeah, I'm just going to sum it up here. Uh, yeah. The first event, Centurion, Raider, Garrison, 1500 points. And having fun. Ah, that sounds like a good sum- summary. Yeah. 
Yeah. The next one and is uh, retelling a story. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Next one is uh, what this year was called Hagvaria, or whatever you called it, something Hagvaria. That was because it was in Hagvigs. And I, I was running, I was running out of the ideas, and I was hung over in the backseat of a car. Yeah. <laughs> and this is uh, why next year it will be actually have a proper name, <laughs> but it will be basically taking the place that Aguaria had this year in the calendar, which is a second event. And this is uh, the Fields of Megara, and the Fields of Megara story-wise is the area, the giant fields. Uh, that used to be fields at least I'm not really sure what it is now because we have to settle that <laughs> fire. it's fire probably, probably like if you, if you ask uh, Linus and fucking Jens it would probably be Swampland yeah that's true or <laughs> if you ask uh, Jody it might be just walls but you don't know <laughs> but uh, this is basically the area surrounding uh, Amorion and since it takes place after Story-wise, story it will be the expansion and capture of ground after the initial massive mass landing of trader troops. But more specifically, it will focus on the major tank ba battles that took place on this plane. That's uh, yeah. just yeah. just have a story. We have tried to make it more involved, but it might be too involved. So we're going to settle on having the tank battles because. Some people have asked for a tank event. Some people yep. tend to get their tanks killed at every event, so they want more tank <laughs> events. Exactly. Uh, hinted. Uh, no, but uh, to represent this on the tabletop, we, we've looked at it, and also we looked at it. This is kind of like a niche one. Uh, as currently, there is no... Besides Armored Breakthrough as a right, there isn't any way to really build like a pure vehicle force for solar rocks, militia, or you know, mechanicum and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we've done is, we've basically made our own army list for this event, just to keep with, within the narrative. And and also we've done our own missions, and we've done even our own fucking rule set. <laughs> so, yeah, just to make it even more complicated. Yeah. But, but that is, the reason why I've done that is just because we want to be able to re retell the story of this part of our event series. Like, we want to retell the story of what's happened on the planes, and we want to be able, for people, as we're doing this as an es escalation league, we want to be able to people to, like, they've done the infantry core of their army, now they can add in all the vehicles. Mm -hmm. So this is, like, the next step in escalating what type you're building. Or <laughs> looking at the end goal being Scandus, <laughs> or... Scandus Grad or, or whatever. Everyone keeps calling it a different name, but you know, the end of our event series. And so you're actually build, adding on your next part of your army. Uh, you're playing tanks. It, it's something that's it's different. We always wanted to do something different, like kind of stand it out. The thing that we did last year, we, we did it as a team, event, team event. And we want to keep it with the same theme, but we want to make sure that the one thing that is always, uh, always we get feedback on team events is that, ah, uh, well, it takes so much time when you do a team event, when there's two aside or three aside. Hence why we, we were thinking and we we're like, how, okay, 
how can we make this happen and still have the same amount of battles for two days? Be able to because the battles are important to move the story forward. So we need we we don't want to cut down the number of battles. We still want to have a team event because it's it's the team event of our event series. And we want to have tanks. So what can we do? Well, we have to make up our own rule set using the Horus Heresy rules and Sephardet, and then just apply a different layer onto it to make to speed up gameplay and make sure that we can do a team event and still maintain the time span that we have for a normal event if you were playing 2,000 points uh, versus 2,000 points. But now it's going to be 4,000 points versus 4,000 points. So it's kind of, you know... Mm-hmm. That it, that it c- tends to take four hours for a round, but we want to still keep it at you know two and two and a half hours, and and we were trying and testing rules, and we came up with this rule system, which is on our webpage. Am I wrong? Or it's it should be. Uh, it's up on uh, the Facebook page, I think. And, yeah. Uh, if nothing else, it will be up in the, the Fields of Megara event page sooner rather than later. We just. We just need. We're still working on uh, figuring and, out uh, others than the space marines, basically. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it, it's it's not just like a rule set that we pull out our our asses. We have heaps of play testers all around the globe. We like we had Tim down in you know the Eye of Horse guys that tried it out. We have Americans. We had like different parts of Swedes. We have Danish people trying it out. So several yeah. podcasts in the UK are testing it out for us as well. So yeah. So, so the the rules are pretty. They are playtest, probably more playtest than Games Workshop. <clears throat> but uh, so, so we know it works, and we know that the time slot for a game is around two and a half hours if you play uh, four thousand points aside. So we know it, it's what we're aiming at. So now we're just nailing down the actual army lists that you can build depending on what faction you're playing. If you're playing Mechanicum, Solar Ox, or Militia, or uh, Space Marines, Black Shields, or whatever. Uh, so we're working that to be narrative and to represent, you know, a good army from from that faction that that looks good on the table and makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that so that's our second one to yeah. to keep the story full. And uh, if you think this, if you feel that this is a bit daunting, it might, might sound like that, but we are trying to make it as simple as possible within the constraints of having entire tank battles instead of just having infantry and tanks combined. But uh, that's what the playtesting is for, and we hope it will be yeah. as good, yeah. good as an event as we can make. The, the, the foundation of the rules are still 7th Ed or Horsey, Heresy, 1st Ed, whatever is going to happen now. Uh, and the thing is, if you know that rules, and then you add on the six pages that we brought to make things... Oh, we, Wrote, yeah. wrote. <laughs> anyway, the the six pages of rules that we have, and you add on, on on that as an extra layer, it's not that hard. And actually, most people that play tested it, uh, the amount of questions I have about the rules aren't that many. They're they're more interested in like, oh, what kind of list will it be? Because the rules are solid, but you know, what will the mechanicums look like? And blah blah blah. So it is pretty easy. We have a a semi-hysterical uh, webcast of it. Uh, I also have a recording I need to give you, Chris, before I leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can actually put it up on the Facebook page. 
<coughs> where we go through the rules and we do like playtest and try to explain how it is. Yeah. We're going to do more more embedded tutorials when we're not drunk or super tired. Or uh, maybe <laughs> both. And, and also when we have all the lists sorted, because currently the only one that's thoroughly playtested play is the Space Marine list. Yeah. But that's also because most players play Space Marine, the Space Marine's lists. Yeah, but what, what we, we, we know that people have played Mechanicum, we know people have played uh, Solar Ox and stuff, it, it's just that they, they have used whatever tanks they had, and mm -hmm. used, because our main focus for, first was to get the rules like airtight and really good and fun and balanced. Yeah, the other and now, used army lists that they played testing. Yeah. yeah. But it's definitely fun. And if you want to have a look at them, go and check out our Facebook page. Yep. And the yeah. event page. It will be updated within a week or so from this is being released. Yeah. And just like everything we say, all feedback is good feedback. So if you have any ideas or thoughts or queries, just send us a fucking email or a PM. Exactly. Bom, bom, bom. Your turn. Next one. And uh, then we have uh, the, which is an event that I personally am not sure of all the details yet, the logistics <laughs> of it, but I'm not sure anyone is, right? <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty sure everyone is, because we're talking about the painting events, aren't we? Which is not really a proper yeah. gaming event, but it's an event. <laughs> yeah. So I thought we were talking about the other one, but we can talk about the painting event. <laughs> uh, this one we are way more set for at least compared to the next event <laughs> but uh, yeah we have the painting event uh, in uh, Stockholm on the 8th to 12th of August a, a Swedish hobby camp yeah this extraordinary will be, this will be the real hobby camp next year yeah all, and, of, all um, of the hobby, camp, hobby camps are fake that's true no not really I, I, I kind of want don't say that I'm, it's a hobby camp not a heresy camp I think there is a degree of difference there Chris yeah as I said I, it's the only it's only through hobby camp yeah, yeah okay if, can't argue that if, if I if I'm lucky I'm going to be able to fly from Australia to the hobby camp so I'm I'm just I'm just hoping I'm not going to be totally fucked over you know pineapples in us all next year Next year is going to be my year. I fucking hope it's my year. It's not the fucking government's year. It's my year. <laughs> I want all my plans to work out. We have that. We have that hope for you as well, Freddie. Yeah. Uh, because this but, uh, year was fucking retarded. Yeah, but uh, this is, as I said, on date the twelfth of August, and this will be basically four days of hobbying and one day of gaming, or however we want to put it together. Isn't that technically five days of hobbying? Just, you know, to oh, be well, picky. I was just trying to cool. differentiate it because what the main focus would be on the days. Uh, yeah, fair point, so fair point. Be a lot of painting with guest, or guest hosts, so that one, Cult of yeah. Paint. And, and for, for the actual hobby day, or the gaming day, or whatever you guys make, decide what we're going to call it, uh, we will have something else that we haven't really mentioned. We're going to have uh, tailored tables with tailored missions with different gaming systems, but the thing is, the armies will be provided, and the, so the story and the narrative already provided, which is another way that actually at Adepticon there was a, you could sign up for event tracks where you used other people's armies and you played 
cost emissions, which is one thing that we forgot to mention, but well, I'm doing it now. <laughs> there we are then. There we are, which is another cool thing. Yeah, it's basically um, left field. You can do an event series where you provide the army, you provide the terrain, you provide the mission, and people just rock up and they play your missions and your miniatures mm-hmm. within your story. And uh, can you do an example? There might just be a bit of a bitch fight on the Black Sands of Istvan, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where one is a male, manly man who knows what is love, baby, don't hurt me. Like the real man, the real McCoy. And then you have some fucking metallic dude with silver hands. I am so tempted to correct that it should be real McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> no, did you do it? It should be real Mackay and not real McCoy. Well, that's true, but I'm semi-cut, so... <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, that was uh, one of the most pedantic things I've ever done. You think? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's worrying that's me. A, that's, a, that's a pretty long list of things as well to be getting, you know, getting pretty pedantic about, but, you know, that's a good good thing. Yeah, but if that's the most... Well, you can be like me. It's like, oh, someone misplaced this Lance chart on this Slaughter-class cruiser. Yeah, but I mean, correcting that it should be the real Mackay because it is because of it being named after a kind of whiskey. I thought you were talking about crisps. No. McCoy crisps. No, no, no just make that, that one's for, that one is earlier. That. Go back, go back into your corner now. Nah, why not? Crisp. I'm happy about that. Uh, so that was our hobby event. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, as we said, there would be... I'm trying to be in Florida. It's like fucking midnight and I'm drunk and I have to go yeah, to work in a couple could, of hours. We could also mention that there will be painting courses held by, hosted by us but held by the Cult of Paint. And Jody, tell us about the Cult of Paint. Tell you about the Cult of Paint. Uh, the Cult of Paint is where you get to worship at the altar of Andy Wardle and Henry Steele. Uh, the <laughs> Cult of Paint is the uh, the next evolution of uh, what has come from the the MKA Studios uh, painting courses, and it is run by uh, Andy Wardle and Henry Steele, both gone demon winners. Andy has won a Slayer Sword. Uh, I think Henry still has to step up to that, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only just guessing here. Uh, you know, he could have won one by now. Who knows? He hasn't well, told us yet. Uh, uh, apparently, he bench pressed a lot. So. He bench he bench press because that that <laughs> wins you a Slayer sword. Yeah, that's what it does. Um, but they're both world class painters, and they are coming over to uh, work with us again. And they're going to be doing uh, two courses as part of the five day plan. So that'll be the vehicles course, which will give you a solid foundation on how to use first of all how to use an airbrush, and then how to actually paint to the awesome standard that these guys can can put out. And then we have, uh, obviously, as Chris has already mentioned, um, Freddie, the day's holiday break um, where we get to game and do fun stuff. And then Cult of Paint roll right back in and teach us all how to paint infantry in the most awesome way, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to sit, take the course again and do some different paint schemes. Um, I think it's, uh, it's definitely time to do something that isn't metallic. <laughs> I think it's very much time to do something that isn't metallic. And, uh, <laughs> there will be some uh, options for people who, have, who took the MK course this year. Yes, there so will be. You don't be. have to repeat the exact same, just in a different color that you did this year. 
this is true. I mean, it's always fun to take a, take a refresher. But, uh, yeah, the guys are, are saying there are different options. But all that will, uh, will come in time as we look at uh, as we look to get more details out, which we hope to drop very, 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 very early on in the new year. This is, this is just a teaser about it, basically. Oh, yes. Awesome source. So you did you did mention you did sort of mention an event where everybody knows its name but nobody knows the details. Is that right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're we're about to. But... We're about to. Yeah, but then okay. Fred interrupted and thought the, the hobby camp was more important. Uh, well, I'd like to think chronologically it's more important. Um... Well, story wise, it isn't. <laughs> and I was ah. going for the stories. So that's why. I... Going for the story. See, we've got a narrative arc. With a competitive undertone in this, in the, even in this podcast, how awesome is that? Cool. Uh, so, what is the next? What is the next <laughs> part of the event series, then, Chris? Well, the next part is uh, given that the, the planet uh, that we talk about, the Numen Elysium, is basically split into two major continents. There are larger, smaller islands and atolls and stuff as well, but the continents there's two of them, and the second continent is basically a massive forge complex at this point. And this is uh, Trebizond and the Forge of Caldea. Trebizond is the city, the forges are different though. But that's more narrative than we're going to go into right now. But uh, it's basically securing resources that are needed after the traders have have captured all of the, the fields of Megara in the previous event. Because that's, that's, what, that's what will be what will happen in the story, and people will know that before just how badly the loyalists will get mauled. And that's why the fight uh, to scrabble over the resources in the forge complexes uh, is uh, so bitter. And that's basically what we're going to do, and this will be the more more uh, how to put it. Uh, well, at least the least. Special rules heavy one that we will so do. More traditional styling, maybe? Yeah. More towards the... Uh... Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sticking with the least special rules heavy. Okay, there, there will, We will probably be doing something fun as well, but it will be... If you want to bring us more of a standard list, <coughs> having your standard force works and uh, playing with Wrath of War and stuff like that, this is the proper event for that one. This is definitely the event for you. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure what else is set for this one because I, did, well, I, I was wasn't able to attend that meeting that you had. So. Oh, well, as, as it stands at the moment, we have the format all worked out. Uh, not to go into huge amounts of details because we're still working a lot of the details. But bottom line is, as Chris has said, it's more standard format. Two and a half thousand points is is the the plan, and then there'll be a day, a two day event with what first day being individual games, so one on one against your opponent and then on day two the plan is um, to have everybody paired up uh, in some way shape or form whether it be Swiss system or just by who gives each other shonky looks or whatever it might be and then the uh, second who, day is who actually shows up at, on time no, well I was going to say because they've yeah, been well, drinking the day before well I'd like to think that you know we've, we've the Scandinavians have got a pretty reliable um you know, reputation on that. It all depends whether or not Max and Dom show up and you know throw things out of uh, out of alignment. But you know, yeah. we wouldn't want to uh, assume that's what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, we are. But yeah, 
Well, okay, maybe. <laughs> um, but the plan, the, the plan is that day two is all about everybody um, pairing up with uh, either with potentially with friends or with new 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 guys in the community to get to meet for the first time and then have two larger games and just have a whole lot of fun knocking out uh, some results to see how we then influence the the next event. Um, and yeah, as Chris has said, this is the big push, uh, key objectives, all all the fun stuff getting ready for the big, big fight, which is what's coming up with our next event. So, shall we skip over the one we have least details about and move on to the one where we have a lot of information for? Big Bada Boom. Yeah, the yeah. Big Bada Boom. And uh, this is the last and final event, because this event will basically decide the outcome of the of the battle for the planet. So, Freddy, sorry, just one point. Freddy, no deciding extra events in the car after this. Uh, the, the event to end all events. To be fair, it, we can add more events after this if we want to. It just can't be with this storyline. Ah. Because it, the storyline will end with this planet. But me, me, Or will it? No, wait, that's Alpha Lead and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have Alpharius. Yep. Yep. But uh, this is the seat of the capital, Byzantia. And given that the loyal, loyalists are, have been on the def- defensive all of the time, they have had to withdraw to the capital and uh, fortify it even ex- even more than it was because obviously it's a capital it has to be defended and it has to be fortified otherwise it would be a really short siege if nothing else this is true so but uh, is it, it, it's it's so it's more of a proto hive it's not yet have become it hasn't be, yet become the towering hive spires that we are used to from the Armageddon images and the Cremonda, but it's still a city of billions. So, expect a massive siege. Oh yeah. And, and, some, and some massive shenanigans. Yeah. And they have basically withdrawn all of the resources that they can from the previous event, so we have to work that out. But you'll see what you'll see how it, that will be worked out closer to the event, because it's almost a year away at this point, but this is how much we like it that we're planning it already because it should be as good as it can. Oh yeah, the whole the whole thing should be as hard as uh, as finely drilled and and you know detailed and worked out as possible. So you guys can all come and you know dance all over it and screw us up. So we have to be thinking on the fly. Yep. But uh, that's kind of how it rolls, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, all that it can be. And we oh, had yeah. a nice chat before recording tonight to actually sort out what extra there will be on this. Well, extra as in what tables there will be, because it is a massive siege, but you can't only just have troops battering at the wall, because that would be a bit samey-samey. There, there will also be some special stuff, and that is... Uh, do anyone else want to talk about that, or should I? I could talk to me. Oh, okay, fair either, enough. Either or, go, go. I always <laughs> <laughs> Operation Clusterfuck is in effect. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've, we've been talking about, and we've mentioned it before, that in all big, uh, in all big operations, there's always those uh, special, special objectives, those uh, tactically important um, events that need to take place, uh, be it the severing of fuel lines, or in this case, the potential uh, fights over power generators, landing areas, all the or, things... Or chill generators. That's where I was going to go, yep. Yeah. Sarcophagus, all... where Gilliman will, end, will 
exit at late late in the game in a new robot suit. Yeah, so we're going to make sure that get, gets welded shut. Um, <laughs> but all, all these key all these key areas that, that need to be taken over that allow things to happen um, on the bigger fields that you know you may you may not think of but need to be done. So there will be uh, side table, well, not side tables, other mission other missions and other things going on alongside, which will have effect. And uh, Freddie, I, I, we we were talking about a rather rather fun and ambitious plan that's going to be taking place as well because not yeah. only do we have these types of tables and and the big uh, the big siege tables we do have something else that's um what's the rather titanic um size <laughs> you like yes, that there? i was gonna put this here if you remember the spoiler for what for the raffle next year <laughs> you have a bit of a hint of what will be showcased in this battle yeah, and now, do you want to give any more details, Freddie, or should we just leave it as that? Uh, well, there may or may not be like a massive mega Titan table, and there may or may not be a lot of Titans, and there may or may not be a Titan Joust. Do you need more? Do you I want think, to know more? Would you like <laughs> to know more? Um, I, I think we're kind of fine leaving it at that and just uh, leaving that as a bit of an appetizer, because I think, as I said, there's a whole lot of other stuff to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's going to be all shades of awesome. Yeah, and for people that attended Scandas this year and might have, uh, or people that have seen the photos from this year, you noticed that we had a long table, a, a long table uh, at one side of the room. That will probably be used next year as well, but not as Somertalis because there will be no Somertalis mm-hmm. at this event. No, yeah, there are no more zones. No more zones for this event. It's all go big or go home. (laughs) Which we say every year, but we managed to do it and absolutely crush it every year. So this year is going to be no different. It's going to be whole lots of fun. But some details we're aiming for about a three and a and a four thousand point list, right? Yeah, something around those lines. Yeah, which is which is perfect if you have actually forced yourself to hobby for. The two first first events, you would probably have a four thousand point list at this point. Oh yeah, you say easily three and a half thousand points. So yeah, four thousand is just a primark away, if nothing else. Mm. That is true, and I think uh, one thing that we forgot to mention about this event that is another part of the narrative is that we're going to do uh, a little bit of uh, character progression. Isn't that right? Yeah, we have talked about doing that for the event series. But that's about as much details that we're going to do, right? So we can actually work out how we're going to do it before people get... Yeah, I mean, before, before we do it. Before we do it. Before we actually throw it out there and you know, commit to anything. Yeah, but, but the, the, now people know, now we have to do something about it. Yeah, little little bit of uh, you know self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. there. That's and, true. Uh, no, sadly we can't... Use the upcoming vehicle design rules for eighth edition. Ah, oh, give us a chance. Well, I'm sure we can reverse engineer stuff. Well, we could just use probably easier to reverse engineer the one from fifth ed. Which would probably be better, yeah. to be fair. Which is oh, only Land Raiders. Exactly. <laughs> it's basically all factions, all vehicles. So that would be fun. Uh, but I think I'm going to post in in our Facebook page my squat mobile. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> lord. 
Tonight for first then. Yo, that would be so cool, man. You got to do that. Yeah. Shit. Uh, as we said, massive sieges. There will be some restrictions on what you can take, but that is basically only on fortifications because they will be provided. So yep. don't take a large fucking garrison. Tobe. Or... Tobe, I'm looking at you, bud. I know you're yeah. an Iron Warriors player, but you know. You may have to stow that one yeah, just just and, for uh, this event, or you can lend it to us and we can incorporate it in the <laughs> defense line. But uh, that is also possible. Yeah, but uh, as we said, don't plan for take 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 stuff like that. Plan for taking siege equipment if you are a traitor, and defensive siege equipment if you are a loyalist, or so, flyers or artillery or. Basically, I expect I expect the Iron Warriors to show up in force with all the right toys. Otherwise, you're letting the side down, boys. Yeah. Just mortars, saying that. Quad mortars are pretty useless against a void shield of that size, though. Wow. Well, we have stuff. other toys, believe yeah. me. We have uh, other I'm toys. I'm just trying to encourage people to take the heavier stuff. Oh, yeah. Do that. Think super heavy. Think heavy, heavy. You know, it'll all be fun. It'll all be good fun at the end of the day. We'll all have a Four laugh. Typhons. <laughs> uh, yeah, two, two, two squads of Typhons. There we are. Somehow. Yeah. You know. All about the Titans. It should always be about the Typhons. Always. No, Titans. Or both. Typhons, Titans. Anything beginning with a T should be all about that. It should all... If you if you bring a Warlord that's modded to toss a, a Typhon... You we'll will, let it happen. We will, uh, we will uh, provide rules for that. I, I, I would be even more impressed if it was actually physically modelled to have the throwing action... A la, you know, some sort of G.I. Joe type model uh, <laughs> and actually pitch the Just uh, have a button the on the back of the yeah, Titan. exactly. <laughs> have the punching motion. Yeah, exactly. Just have a, have a throwing motion with you know to launch a Typhon. You know, if you could do that, you game on. Totally up for that. <laughs> we could use the old uh, the old uh, what was it toss a toss a toss a Gretchen uh, or orc or goblin rules from uh, Blood from the, Bowl or something. No, no, used one from the Warhammer Giant. So you basically oh. have a toss or eat or stuff down pants. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't even want to work out how we work out the mechanic of stuffing down pants, but we'll find a way. Well, that, that, it's if, what we if, do. If you bring a, bring a warlord that's modded with pants, that can happen. <laughs> There's a whole... Or, we're or, basically trying or to have uh, What happens is you have to stuff the model down the Tio's pants. How? Okay, fair you, enough. You mean Take you have me. to... Toss down the Tio's pants. That just sounds wrong. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> before we get completely distracted, is there anything else we need to talk about with the uh, the event series? Have we given everybody a good picture of what we're planning on doing for the next year and and what a sort of a very much narrative um, cam- narrative series with a, a strong campaign element can look like? I think so. I think so. Um, Chris? Yeah, well, I'm just going to say that... Uh... Since I'm finally going to have some time on my hands this next week, there will also be a short primer other than the little event series primer we handed out at uh, Scandus with uh, more of the fluff provided. Awesome. It will be released sooner rather than later. And also all of the event pages will be properly updated on Facebook so people can start showing their interest if they want. 
get in there, show your interest, show, show, and, uh, drop it like it's hot. Yeah, and get easier access to updated player packs and whatever's going on for the event. That would be epically cool. Now, I do need to ask, Do shall we, how, or have we already talked about spicing up, spicing up people's events? Because otherwise, it's time well, to get... That was basically the first thing we did in this little snippet or this segment, but let's spice up people's life. Yeah, Freddie, you, you're you're the man with the plan who who loves to uh, drop things in and spice up events. Where do you want to start us off with this one? Uh, well, I can start up with the uh, little uh, in things like we, we we talked before how you can have uh, game affect each other, which is an easy way. Or um, you can have the the oh, actually let me do that again. <laughs> That's terrible. Actually, the first thing you can do. That is the easiest way to do is to add Warzone traits. And if you want to have ideas about Warzone traits, look at any of the black books. Because in all the black books, they always have a mini campaign, they always have like legendary mission and they all have stuff. And they all have Warzone traits. And they are golden. So if you want to replicate, let's say, your event, if it's a tournament or a fucking Nerdship or a campaign or whatever, you decide like it's on Planet Blur, and Planet Blur is a rad waste or something. So Planet Blur has rad waste affecting all the battles. That's just an easy way to add a, a little bit of spice. Obviously, you can incorporate that even further than having like, okay, we're playing on Sector 1, 2, or 3. Sector 1 is rad waste, Sector 2 is like a, a hive city where uh, they have these kind of like it's always dark there because it's you know down in the underhive or whatnot. And then the the third one, well, that is like somewhere in the forge, and that they have like uh, radioactive leaks because of something. So you add on different warzone traits depending on uh, like if you play to table one to ten, you have this warzone trait. Ten to I mean eleven to twenty, you have this warzone trait. Twenty-one, thirty, you have this one. So that, that's the easiest way to add some sort of narrative by spicing up the great game, if that makes sense. Cool. I mean, what, what's what's I would say? What's been your favourite thing that you've had dropped on you to spice up uh, a game? Whether you know, sort of uh, any sort of um, event. What's what's been your favourite thing that you've had dropped on you? Uh, my favourite thing. I, I I think I don't know. I'm I'm a big for cards and I think uh, like one of the cool things is like I've, I've, uh, I've played at Adepticon and I got like bonus cards and I and the one thing that I liked was secret missions and hence why I tried out the secret missions ones but obviously not in the same way as Adepticon did I, I used to use the, the regular tactical objective cards but the secret missions ones I think it's really cool because your opponent doesn't really know uh, your mission and what you're actually after. Like, you know the, the scenario's mission, but you also have, like, a secondary uh, mission, which can either create campaign points, like in Adepticon, it created campaign points, or it could just add on extra victory points for the game. I think that, that that's one of the things I really, really, really enjoy. And also at Adepticon, we got uh, three dice, which um, they were, like, you re-rolled them. Every time you did a die roll, there were three dice. If you got three sixes, you got an orbital bombarder, but it gave me the idea to do the reroll dice, 
uh, as in you could reroll any other opponent. And when I playtested that, that was fucking super fun. Like the, the, those actual reroll dice that we implemented this year mm-hmm. with the Varangian Heresy dice. Uh, when oh, yeah. I playtested that, I had so much fucking fun. And I like that that idea is fucking rock solid. It's it's so easy and it adds a total different layer. And it's and it's it makes everyone like, no, don't use your reroll dice. <laughs> or you start using your reroll dice and it becomes like a strategy. And then you use it and it still doesn't work. And yeah, no, but it's just it's just super fun. Awesome, Chris. What about, what about you guys? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Chris. What about yourself, buddy? What? What? Uh, and obviously, we're not just talking 30k here. I mean, for for the whole thing, what sort of uh, what sort of has been the funnest, the most enjoyable thing that's been dropped on you? Hmm. Well, that's that's quite a. I have to think back. That's why I'm a bit uh, hesitant to speak, as usual. But uh, in games like that, it's more in uh, like campaign days for like you having apocalypse campaign days mm-hmm. and uh, basically having a GM in that case because that's a good idea for an apocalypse game anyway. But having a titan trample through the crust and fall fall halfway into a tunnel that goes under the city. Stuff like that. That can really fuck up people, but if you're doing it in a narrative way, in an apocalypse game in this way, it works. Mm-hmm. Because everyone kind of expected that something would happen. But uh, just some random things that sometimes might be game-breaking. In this case it was, because lots of Titan. But it didn't over overall affect much because it was... Uh, an apocalypse game, and maybe if you want to do random event, random stuff like that, scale it after what you're actually playing. Don't have uh, people lose stuff just because the hell of it. Fair point. Because Fair point. I mean, it's a very logical point to make. Other than that, it's I I enjoyed as a TO when we used the reroll dice because I. More on how conflicted people was to use their real dice at Scandus. That was really fun to see. Just, yeah. Should I, should I use it? I might need it later. But then uh, that was said in game four, <laughs> which was basically the last game they were playing. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, so. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna say I'm I'm actually going to to uh, honestly echo what you both said about the dice, uh, because I was actually, uh, as a TO at Scandas, it was a lot of fun to see them out there and people sort of, the guys who hadn't used them before, because we actually dropped them first at Scorpius. Um, and I'll talk to that about that in a second, but the guys who hadn't used it were a bit unsure. And the guys that had sort of just rubbed their hands in glee and thought it was a, it was another a whole lot of fun that was about to hit because when we had them at, uh, Scorpius, um, due to just, you know, when when we're actually able to collect them from, you know, the the bastards of customs, um, and, and get them, um, we didn't have them till like the second game. Is that right, Freddie? From Brightly, we had it after lunch on the first day, um, and there was this after it all got explained. Everybody was sort of slightly hesitant and slightly tentative, and then suddenly, bam! There were dice going left, right, and centre, and 
you know, I think so. I think it was Pontus used up like seven or eight dice in one roll, and you know, yeah, but, by bananas. by halfway through the first game, like a ridiculous percentage of the <laughs> dice had already been burnt. And then, you know, come the very end, very sort of very last game, I know I was kicking myself, going, "God, I wish I hadn't burnt all those dice earlier," because I, I needed them. And it was it was such a it wasn't game breaking in the respects that. It didn't ruin a game. You always had the chance. You had the choice, basically, which is one of the things I love about um, uh, sort of uh, stuff that sort of spices up is when when you're given the choice um, and whether you get to use it or not, because then it's it's totally in your hands, mm-hmm. and you can have, you know, you can make it use it to make or break your game. And if you don't, are you gonna, you know, rue the day you didn't actually use that extra reroll dice? Or are you going to be kicking yourself for um, the fact you did use it and used it too early? Just so much fun for such a simple thing. And it wasn't overly complicated. You get to substitute and force a re-roll or re-roll one of your own dice, and you can't re-roll a re-roll. So that basic rule stands. So it made a lot of the uh, how it worked um, very simple, basically. It also can lead to really, really interesting situations when... uh... Someone rerolls a re- rerolls a die for the explode, explode result, the scatter <laughs> result in, at Scandis, which Oops. was really fun to see. I was gonna say it when Magnus forced a reroll on Pella's explodes result because his Pella's fell blade was supposed to blow up and land on Magnus's uh, glaive. And the glaive would probably have died because of it, because it was already uh, quite damaged. Uh, then he just, well, I'm going to re- force you to reel that one. And the fell blade flips backwards instead and lands in <laughs> his back line. And, oh, yeah. see? That's perfect. So Absolutely perfect. That moment, for me, <laughs> encapsulated the use of those dice. Pretty well. Absolutely beautiful. And that, that's what it's all about, you know? That's where all the fun comes in. That, that was your moment. That was my moment. I bet Jimmy wished he'd had some dice available for when that stuff started scattering on his uh, his knights. <laughs> it but, wouldn't uh, have helped. No, to be fair, it would. <laughs> he probably would have done it worse, Job. He would just uh, uh-huh. maybe have lasted like five minutes longer. I love you, Jimmy, by the way. Absolutely love you, buddy. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, oh, do you? <laughs> oh, no, we've got to, got to love the guy for that. It was absolutely brilliant. So that's that's just sort of a very quick idea. I mean, one thing I would say is when it comes to spicing up events, uh, take some time and go back and look at, um, other, well, look at other game systems, look at sort of old ways the games older ways older versions of the game i mean let's be fair i mean a huge amount of stuff that we've been talking about maybe apart from the dice have been pulled back from different um editions of the game you know yeah. back with yeah. a lot of the like time our... we talk about second ed or fifth ed um you know we talk about editions uh, i'd say have a look at uh, the old imperial armor books because yes definitely mo- because at least after they stopped being just general books collecting rules for miniatures, which still had fluff and rules in them for other stuff, yeah. you could find so much of the campaign base in them from book three forwards. 
414. Yeah, the the I'm rereading all the Rex books and they're fucking yeah. sex delicious. That's five, six, seven, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because they got so the far, they got the Faros one, which uh, kind of int- no, not far. Well, it's Faros, right? The dinosaur planet. Yeah. Is it that one? Yeah, I think it. No, for, not Faros. Faros is. Faros is from the Faros is uh, Imperium Secundus thing. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm still the Amphelion base, the Amphelion project is what I mean. Yeah, just confusing stuff in my head currently. The Amphelion project, which basically have proto rules for Sword Mortalis in it, in a research base, and quite nice templates for making your own research base, or at least the cool. floor outline of it. Because Fort Will doesn't sell it anymore, sadly, the research base. I'll jump on eBay and find it then quickly. Uh, yeah, but but uh, but th- those are fun. Even though they're not specifically heresy, we you we are not saying that all events have to be heresy if you don't want to. But they're just fun. And there are really good sources of uh, really good sources of information out there. Um, the books the books are fantastic. Um, as, and you as know, Freddie mentioned the Rax books are really really good. They're a good read if you just want to read. Like military fake history, yeah. because they're really well written with loads of nice maps. Military military history, you mean? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have <clears throat> uh, well the bad up war books, the the one with uh, Tau fighting Talarns. It's quite a good one as well. Sorry, do you you did say Tau fighting Talon, right? Yeah. Okay, I I, I heard cow. I don't know why. Uh, uh, fish, you know, fish, fish well, people, they, cow they, people, surf and turf. There you go. They ha- don't they have hoofs? There we are. They're basically, <laughs> the, the surf and turf nation is what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but okay. all of these books, even though it might not, even though they might not exactly be heresy or currently just be heresy, it doesn't have to be because the inspiration can be found anywhere. Exactly. And don't forget the black books as well. Just because you know, you could always take something from uh, book seven and bring it into uh, you know the Shadow Wars. As as long as you can make it make sense and it's fun, or I think that's the important thing. Rename stuff, rename stuff from this one, three original five campaign, or play this one, three original five campaign from the uh, early books. That's very true. That is very true. Very awesome, I have to say. So. One thing I would like to do is just we did sort of talk about it earlier on is uh, again we've got over so many things um, here tonight but some key do's and don'ts um, from the sort of event event running the event storytelling sort of phrase uh, as a point of uh, point of view sorry uh, Freddie you got any key do's and don'ts you want to throw out there for everybody? Uh, well, do's and don'ts. Uh, kiss. Keep it stupid simple and uh... simple stupid. Simple, stupid. Right, that's right. That's that's right. And make sure that people know what kind of events you're planning to run, so so people are kind of prepared. I know that people tend not to read the fucking play pack and so on, but you know everything that you could pre-prepare for everyone and kind of try and make them read the players pack and make it easy and make everyone everyone being on the same page the more more <laughs> good luck on that <laughs> yeah no. but the more prep work you do the better event you're going to have that's just how it is yeah yep i think uh i want to show shout out that keeping to time as much as possible 
is a good thing as well uh, because it allows you to do the things you want to do and have fun uh, with the events, you know, the, the things you want to run in events. And if you plan that out properly uh, and, you know, again, it comes back to the keep it, uh, keep it simple, stupid, uh, just keep the times and have fun that way because uh, it's going to make an event run a lot smoother. And that all, that all comes down to also make sure you plan enough time for everything so you don't okay. uh, expect it to run. Like if you have something that takes four hours to do, make sure that you have at least four hours to do it. Yep. And that's yeah. just an example. You obviously have to change time depending on what you need, but you mm. really need to make sure that the time is planned because otherwise you won't be able to fit everything you want into it because the time isn't there. Yeah. And when, I mean, what was it we've said before, the general rule of thumb when it comes to uh, gaming, for example, is, you know, for every thousand points, allow an hour. So a 4,000 aside game, leave four, four hours for it. It's a good rule of thumb to work with. Uh, if nothing else, when it just comes to working on games and Expect people to be late. Expect people to be late back from lunch. Expect people to, you know, need to repair models after travelling all day, or something along those lines. You know, they're going to need to be able to do that sort of stuff. And if possible, give time for a lunch. Because oh yeah, players, <laughs> everyone will be happier if they can go get lunch. Oh yeah, you're less likely to have a revolt on your on your uh, on your hands for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a bit anecdote here. I'm really glad I didn't plan for an hour. Thousand points when I played Apocalypse once because we had about sixty-seven thousand points aside. Yeah, Apocalypse <laughs> definitely has its own kind of rules, um, but uh, own certain kind of timings. But you, you kind of stuff. move stuff with yeah. a shovel in yeah. those games. <laughs> just, uh, someone had uh, combined. Uh, well, one. It was the, the time when the Imperial Guard still have had uh, tank companies. Oh lord! So it was one tank company and one, uh, basically conscript company. So the the conscript company already came on. I'm gonna you're gonna love this movement race. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but, but the movement race in this case basically was like just put there because they knew that they, at least one unit would die per turn if something looked at them. Oh my word. Right. Okay. I can just I can just hear the triggering that's going on right now as we mentioned this. <laughs> well, that's this was eleven years ago, I think. So, still no excuse. <laughs> Actually, I'm glad he did. No, well, to be fair, I, yeah. I, I lost a land speeder to uh, orc boy. So. I thought you were going to say you lost a land speeder to a movement trade. Then I was going to ask how that uh, That's that's almost what happened, but it was an orc boy. Boy on there. Back to <laughs> planning an event. As I mentioned, with the, when the Titan falling into a crevice in the road, basically, and into a tunnel, halfway into a tunnel at least, that worked because people that attended the event knew that stuff like that could happen. And that's also into the planning. You have to make sure that people know what kind of event they're attending and what they can expect will happen. Not everything, obviously, because that removes a lot of the fun of the event, all of the surprises. But if someone don't know that they can basically have the Titan walk a step and fuck, stuff will fuck up because it's such a heavy thing to walk around. 
people might get annoyed by that. Really annoyed. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. It is, but it is possible. So yeah, I think that that's probably one of the biggest tips of all: communication. Just let everybody know what what the plans are and what what could happen. Um, so at least they're prepared for it. And you know, like you say, worst worst comes to worst, you, you can point out, well, we did tell you, and you know, everybody's got the opportunity to crumble about it afterwards. Also, this was uh, taking place during apocalypse games, so people knew that large stuff could die basically yeah. any time. But even that, having been prepared for the possibility of losing something just because the battlefield was damaged, it tied into the narrative, it tied into the feel of the game. Yeah. And it, if, if it wouldn't have tied into the feel of the game, I'm not really sure people would, be, had, would have been okay with it. Yeah. I think that's a very fair point. Well... Is there anything either of you gentlemen would like to sort of add to this as we sort of come towards the end of what we've been talking about and sort of try and wrap this up and put a little neat bow on the top of it? Uh, looking in your direction, Freddie, and your direction, Chris. There's, you know, you're the uh, only two here with me. No, no. <laughs> no the only thing I, I can suggest, like, if you're interested in running events and if you want to do, there's so much stuff out there uh, to go through, to go to, is obviously reading other people's event packs, uh, check out other, what other people have already done, check out what they do to work their events, uh, take whatever, like steal steal other people's ideas and make your own sort of event. It, it's awesome. Like most people has probably, most people out there has probably tried something that you've been thinking about. And if you can find out like an event that they've already tried, the sort of stuff of events that you wanted to do, and you can see the pros and cons. You already have like kind of a play-tested style of the type of event you want to run. And yeah, so you just go out there and look and read other people's event packs. That's what I do, and it's fucking a massive source of the information. It's so good. Chris, anything from you, mate? I think I'll just talk to other people that have arranged events. So yeah. you can get some tricks and some hints and stuff and even when you're further along planning your event talk to other pe- people that have arranged events and also other people that you know that might be interested in just looking over what you've actually planned for the event and just to make sure that it will work as good, best as it can because I think the most important thing is almost be sure of what you're doing but be prepared to get the feedback yeah. Because the feedback, it might work po- might work po- perfectly in your head. Everything might work perfectly. But you have to take into account the players. Because that these are the ones you're doing the event for. Yeah, that is very, very sound advice. Well, if that being the case then, gents, I think it's about time we, we put that bow on top of this one. And uh, say that we're going to head on out now to a not-so-subtly-disguised tune. Um, <laughs> I will say chosen by Chris at this point, even though this will probably get edited out. Um, no, so no, this we... will be left in because I am, I'm the one editing, so... Fair I, enough. Th- 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 you wouldn't be in the know of what song would be, even if you had chosen one. Fair enough. Well, that being the case then, gents, we're going to head on out <laughs> to a tune... 
has been chosen by our glorious editor, and we'll be right back. (laughs) And we will be right back uh, after this with our wrap up. back and a big thank you to all the guys we mentioned in that uh segment there about the running the different events we you know we do what we do you do what you do uh you make it possible for us all to have fun events and we really appreciate it so uh you know the guys at bsk nicholas matthias and eric and obviously eric and you're from denmark and the guys in the guys in malmo and in in just everywhere around who uh, have given us the opportunity to do those events. Um, yeah, thank you very much, guys. Seriously, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're going to keep doing some awesome stuff. So um, I think it's about time we got on to sort of doing our wrap-up and talking about um, what events we've got on our upcoming schedule. Sound about right, Chris? Mm-hmm. There's one thing, though. Uh-huh. I think you mentioned... I think I forgot to mention something in the intro because I know you had a little... Surprise at the 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Um, you're right. I did sort of forget to mention it. Uh, mainly out of surprise more than anything else. Uh, thank you very much to the guys at the uh, at the event in Denmark. Uh, that Eric ran. I actually picked up the best painted award uh, for my army, which which I was really proud of. Um, especially as I crushed up those tanks in a couple of hours the night before. <laughs> Um, and there were some beautiful armies there, so thank you very much, guys. That was a real vote of confidence. And, um, yeah, I won't lie, the certificate's up on the wall behind me, and it has a little bit of pride of place. Um, so, yeah, absolutely chuffed with that. So, yeah, thanks thanks for the reminder, Chris, because I had completely forgotten when we were doing the intro there. Uh, yeah, so. I think this this makes uh, almost a compulsion for you to post some photos in the group. Yeah, yeah, okay. You, you, this was your whole thing. You just want to make force me to do some yes. actual work in the group, don't you? Yes. Right, okay, fair enough. Also, I can live with that. Also, are you sure that best painted isn't Danish for sitting around doing nothing? Same thing. It'll work. <laughs> or you know, Iron Warrior Fortress Holder. You know, take your yeah, pick. But it's still, still, it's. I'm glad. I'm glad you won something there. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And yes, I will. Okay, I will remember to post some stuff up. I will have endeavor to do it at some point in the next week or so while i remember uh right before so we don't bore bore people without a bit more let's let's crack on and um, get through our what we've got for events coming up uh because we're into the wrap-up so because we've gone through so much about our event series in the um in the main topic that you just listened to we're going to blitz through the wrap up here um, with a bit more focus on the other events that are going around so the first one we've got coming up is the Mega Dirty Horus Heresy Mega Battle and that's on the 5th to the 6th of January in Vecqua. Uh there is a Facebook event up for that and the links are in the show notes so you can have a look at what we, what's going on there uh, definitely suggest you get along to that if you can uh, the guys of Vec, Daniel and the boys, are absolute legends. Uh, they were down at the last Avaria event, and I said hello. And I'm very much uh, hoping that you guys, being able to go up, will have a lot of fun to do this. So that is, that's the first one on our docket. Chris, what have we got up next? After that, we got the first event that we talked about, uh, well, about one and a half hour ago in this episode, I think. And yep. That is Assault on Amorian, and that's Lincoln on the... Somewhere during the Christina Fats weekend, which is the second weekend in May. I think it's the second weekend. Second, yeah, second yeah, week. It's uh, the 9th to 13th, somewhere during that weekend, because it's a convention. We're not sure which day. And I think Fred is in charge of that, so we'll see when that happens. Uh, that, could, that, is, that is as worrying as it sounds, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Freddy uh, is in charge, but yeah. he's done it before. There's a link to the Facebook event in the show notes, so you yeah. can go check it out. There will be more information provided later on. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. Next one next one up, we've got the Fields of Megera, which is our Armoured Warfare event, and that is taking place on the 2nd to the 3rd of June. Uh, again, links in, links in the show notes here because we've already babbled on about it during the main topic. Uh, Chris, what have we got next? Uh, next is uh, the taking of Firex, Act 1, Hubris. And I'm going to play this little clip for you again. The lines are drawn, sides taken. The drums of war hum with malice and rage. And now, the eyes of both the traitor and loyalist rest upon the Ferex system. None shall yield, so who shall stand victorious? Choose your side and cast your die. Join us 
for the taking of Ferex. Act 1. Hubris. The Taking of Ferex is a narrative-driven 30k event track coinciding with the 2018 Flying Monkeys GT in Wichita, Kansas. Players will face off in a Loyalist versus Traitor narrative as the warring sides attempt to secure a foothold in the Ferex system. The event will span five rounds over two days. Zone Mortalis tables will be available both days for any players who wish to test their mettle in smaller scale skirmishes. For more information, please go to flyingmonkeycon.com or search us on Facebook at Ferex30K. And that was a nice little audio clip for uh, Taking a Fire X Act 1. And again, I'll say it now while we've got a few seconds. If you've got an event and you want to uh, promote it, you can send us the information. And if you want to come on and promote it on, on the show as a listener segment, please do get in touch. Or if you'd like to put an audio clip together but not sure how to, you can always get in touch with us. We can do a quick Skype conversation. We'll put it together and help you out that way as well because that's super important yeah. too. To yeah, do this stuff. Because we got this little clip that we've played sent to us, and it's really, really nice, actually. It's it's awesome. It's a great way of promoting it. It's not Lex-tastic, but it's... Uh... That's too much of a mouthful, isn't it? Lex-tastic. Yeah, I've written it. I can't go through with saying it, because it's... It sounds no, dirty. No, no, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can't do it. It's, it's, we're going back. We're talking. Going back to those reach rounds and those blo- the uh, the blum drinks, aren't we? Uh, it's just too much. Um, so next on the docket, next on the list, there we've got the Van Vangarian Hobby Weekend. Well, it's actually a Hobby Week or Log Weekend, whatever you want to call it. A Hobby Camp, which is the eighth to the twelfth of August, and that is the uh, Frangian Heresy podcast is bringing over the Cult of Paint. And it's going to be a massive heresy hobbying weekend week event thing, which we've already talked about. So let's move on. And uh, there's also oh, links show, to the show, links show notes. Maybe accept the invitation to co-host your lazy git. Ah, yeah, yeah, that too. Oh, you're not <laughs> talking to me for once. Okay, fair I'm, enough. I'm, yes. talking, you know, I'm actually talking to someone else for once. That, Yay! That, that's yeah, someone I was supposed to do this. two weeks ago. I'm absolved of this. This is good. Anyway, moving on. So what's the next one we got there, Chris? That's our to-be-announced, all of basically all of the details, except the little bit of fluff we mentioned in uh, in this episode. And it is Trebizond and the Forge of Caldea. This is a, a little standard event that will be somewhere, hopefully down south, that we're working on. We are but, working on it, yeah. that's for sure. Really. Yeah, but sometimes uh, we'll, well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's down south, but... We, we, we're doing our best to make it yeah. to make it that way for sure. Um, and then after that comes the siege of Byzantia, the culmination, the money shot of the entire year's narrative campaign, which is uh, scheduled in for the sixth to the seventh of October. Links in the show notes. You've heard all the details. You've heard the epic points total of four thousand points. It's going to be three thousand and four thousand points even. Thank you. So that could that. So if if you really thousand points, if you really want, you could just bring two lists: one three thousand, one four thousand points, two different legions. Yeah, we're not saying just, that you should that you have to, but 
Yeah, could you know. be useful. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll again be re- releasing as much information as we can as we go along uh, from that. Yeah, and it's also <coughs> the reason why I spent part of today when I didn't sp- spend cleaning with a book I found while cleaning about uh, early 1900s fortifications. It has nothing to do with that. What are, what are you on about, Chris? It has nothing. That has nothing to do with that at all. Yeah, that's true. Or everything to do with that. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> we will see. The most important part is that uh, there will be fists defending the wall, hopefully, and there will be iron warriors attacking the wall. Damn fucking straight there will be, even if I have to lend somebody my army to play it. <laughs> we'll make sure there are some iron warriors there. <laughs> and my fellow iron warriors players know who they are. You should be there. It has to be done. Um, so that is sort of a wrap-up of all the events we've got information for. And again, I'll say a reminder, if you've got an event, if you want to shout it out, get in touch. Drop us the information via the Heresy at gmail.com. And you can get us into, get in touch with us with an audio file. Or like we said before, if you want to put one together but not, not sure how to, get in touch. We will help you set that up. That's no problem at all. Um, and if you have anything, be it a club event you want to shout out, be it a, an event, a major gaming event, a hobby event, a painting course, anything that's going on around around the heresy community, the worldwide heresy community, or wherever, please let us know so we can spread the word because that's what we are all about. Um, so a little preview of our upcoming episodes. We have an army episode coming up very soon. And we are going to be focusing on the Death Guard. Bum, bum, bum. See, I have to do that because Freddy's not here. Now it just sounds weird. But he usually does that after we record, end recording. Yeah, but I've tried, so now, you know, so now he usually tries to screw up every yeah, time I do so, some so, sort of so, big information release. Yeah, but so everything now it will just not be recorded. Fair enough, then. So this is <laughs> That's fine. We can work with yeah, that. However, Death Guard, uh, the Plague Flies will be there. The plague flies will be well. That's no no way to talk about our potential guests. That's not very nice. It's the truth, but still, um, we are looking forward to doing that. They know what they are. They do. This is very true. <laughs> uh, we're very much looking forward to doing this and having a lot of fun actually going through all this stuff with everybody. So that's going to be one of the episodes coming up, and we're we're in the midst of putting together a whole list of fun stuff. And as we say, we'll have some. We're going to we're planning to have some guest hosts on as well as as Freddie is. Uh, out of the country's borders right now, and we'll be back with the safest down in a few weeks' time. So, uh, yes, look forward to what's coming up on the Vrangian Heresy over the next few episodes. It's just a figment of your imagination. Has been all along. Um, Chris, is there anything else you'd like to add before we head on out? No, I don't think so. Maybe look forward to see some painted doors from Necromunda within the next couple of days. That's going to be very cool. And, oh, yes, there will be some Necromunda chat coming up as well. So that's <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So without further ado, then, it's a good night from me. And me. And remember, guys, treat life like 30K. Be angry on in the streets, be fulgrim in the sheets, and try not to lose your head. This is the Vrangian Heresy Podcast, signing off. And remember, kids, tune in next week. Same Lex time, same Lex channel.